0: your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money saver tire and service deals today. Dobbs, with 43 locations, real deals are always close by.
1: Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: Dealy, you get Hicks through this inning, maybe Helsley for the eighth. The pitch, runner goes outside, ball four. Second walk for Hicks, and the Angels have the tying run and scoring position. The way things are going right now, ollie has
3: got to pull out all the stops in this ballgame.
2: So let's think along with Marmo here. Helsley gets this man. I assume he goes through the eighth inning and then what do you do in the ninth? I think you you see where the pitch count is, you look at your matchups, you look how he's going, but you might end up seeing him go two plus in this one. In the air to right. Newt Barr is there. How about Helsley? 10 pitches, four outs. Maybe he can go to the ninth. Giovanni Gallegos will come on and try to get the final three outs. He answers the Chevy call to the bullpen. The Cardinals have not had a save in their last 16 days. Gallegos will have the 9-1-2 and two hitters for the Angels, which means Mike Trout is due third. High fly ball, headed to the bullpen, and Lamb has homer, and it's 4-4. Four, four. A pinch hit homer. I wouldn't think about throwing one to Trout for a strike. Throw it under the zone if you're going to throw it. Uh-oh. Trout puts the Angels in front. Little looper into left. Left. But that's going to end the game. The Angels win their first game this year when trailing after eight innings. And the Cardinals' miseries continue. They've lost 12 of 14, five in a row.
3: And after leading 4-3 in the ninth, Brad, falls 6-4. Alongside Tanner Hendrickson and Grant Francis, I'm Brandon Kylie's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Alex is out today, and he picked a lucky day to be out because that was a tough one yeah, I wish I was last off. night. I was out at Bush Stadium last night. I took in the Boo Birds with all the rest of you. I thought they were going to get it done. I thought they found a way to get to Shohei Ohtani early the way that they needed to. Yeah, they struck out 13 times. Yeah, that's a new career high for Shohei Ohtani. Yeah, it's only been done like seven times against the Cardinals over the last 25 years. Hey, they scored four runs. They got five hits against him. You'll take it. Unfortunately, that was not enough because of the way that the bullpen implodes and no specifically because of the way that Giovanni Gallegos implodes in the ninth inning that audio courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest and that is where we begin today's show is with the decision I will start with this my top line takeaway I didn't have a problem with it I actually thought Ollie Marmol played this the right way now I've been critical of some of Ollie Marmel's moves this year. I've not agreed with many of the decisions that he's made, specifically when it comes to pinch hitting situations. I think he's played it a little bit more conservative this year than he should have. But last night, I actually liked the way that he played it. Not only did I not have an issue with it, I thought he went about it absolutely the correct way. You got, I thought, Miles Michaelis out of the game at the right time. You decide to go to Jordan Hicks in that situation, which, hey man, if you're... If I'm being totally upfront and honest, I was nervous as hell when Jordan Hicks came into that specific spot. He walks the first batter. My my cheeks got a little tight after that one as well. But the swing and miss stuff was there. He was able to get out of the inning and then it didn't go as you hoped in the next inning. But Helsley was up ready to go. You, you have Marmel come in, bring Helsley in for that final batter of the inning. Rinfro's froze right there. Boom. Strikeout. Boom. Next inning. Uh, strikeout looking, fly out to left, fly out to right, 10 pitches, you're done with the eighth. I asked you, T-Bone, in our text thread, do you send Ryan Helsley back out there for the ninth? And I think you could have argued either way, and it would have been fair. But the truth of the matter is this. Ryan Helsley, since the start of the 2020 season, which is basically since Ryan Helsley has been a foundational piece for the Cardinals, has gone more than two innings twice. One was the Cubs series that we all remember, where the Cardinals rotation and really their entire pitching staff was fried. And it was during a doubleheader. So, yeah, he went two and a third, but it was in the most dire of circumstances possible when they needed him to get them two and a third innings. The other one was in a game that went extra innings against the Atlanta Braves last year. Basically, they don't do it with Ryan Helsley. You can disagree with the way that they utilize him, but they do not use him that way. Yesterday would have been a massive outlier from anything they have done with him in the past. And we all know, yes, they do have a little bit of kid gloves whenever they operate with Ryan Helsley because of his injury history. So that's part of the decision there. The other part, and I think this is maybe the more important part, is that Gio's been their best reliever all season long. You look at the way that he has been performing so far this year, he had struck out 11 of the last 32 batters that he had faced. Opposing hitters were batting just 133 against him with zero extra bases. It was the right call. It blew up in their faces with Lamb hitting that first home run and then Trout hitting the second home run in the inning and then Otani hitting that with a rocket to center, a double, and then Rendon singles to score him and you're down 6-4 and good night, St. Louis. Moral of the story... Sometimes you make the right decisions and they end end in incredibly horrible outcomes. That's what happened last night. It was the right call and Marmol got beat because of it.
4: Yeah, I I didn't have an issue with the way he handled the bullpen at all last night. I I mean, if he ran out Helsley again and decided to go, you know, let's try and get him through another inning of work. And it blew up on him or it blew up on Gio like it did. I'm not going to blast Ollie Marmol for the decision-making he made last night. And to your point, there have been times this year that I've been critical of Ollie Marmol and the way he's managed that staff. I do have an issue with the kid gloves they have on Helsley, but that's not the issue at hand from last night's game. It was just a matter of fact that he played it perfectly. He played his hand. He basically went all in on his hand, and he lost. The Angels had a better hand, basically, in poker. Sometimes you think you got the better hand, you go all in, you lose. And that's what happened last night for the Cardinals. And it's the first time Gio has been really hit around all year. He's been great for the St. Louis Cardinals. And Ollie admitted last night, and I know a lot of people were upset because Ryan Helsley's the quote-unquote closer for the Cardinals. And the paper had former all-star closer hmm. Ryan Helsley. Ryan Helsley is not the closer for the St. Louis Cardinals. And I think that's where there's this kind of mixed messaging Actually, to the fan base. What do you mean by that? I think Giovanni Gallegos is the Cardinals closer right now. I mean, that's the way he managed that game last night. If Gio's not the closer because he's been the best arm so far, Gio's not the guy that pitches the ninth inning. He's he's in the spot Ryan Helsley was in, and Helsley pitches the ninth. And whether you want to agree or disagree with that, I, I think you can kind of say they're almost um. Yeah, they're the interchangeable same. to me, but... I think Gio's the closer right now, and, and I think that's the way he manages. And I think that's where the fan base is upset is they're used to this kind of traditional closer where one guy's labeled the closer, and they've kind of adjusted to modern baseball where it is you bring him in the high lever spot, whether that's the ninth, 8th, or 7th inning. I think now Gio's the guy, and I think that's where part of the frustration is is just how these guys are labeled with their roles by the fan base. I, I think Ollie made all the right moves last night. His closure just didn't finish the job in Giovanni Gallegos. And it was the first time all year his slider didn't look like it's supposed to for Gio. His slider's his best pitch. That's the one that he got beat on last night. And sometimes you just tip your cap to the LA Angels for taking advantage of it.
3: Yeah, and he he got destroyed. Like he did it wasn't even just that he got beat. He got shelled by the middle of the order from the Angels from the 3-1-4, BK Ryan Helsley through 10 pitches. If Giovanni Gallegos is your best reliever this year, why didn't you bring him in instead of Ryan Helsley in the seventh and you keep both of them in their normal roles? I think there is something to be said for what T-Bone's talking about and part of this is just the Cardinals have not had a lot of save opportunities over the last few weeks. Like you look back, the last time that they did was April 16th against the Pittsburgh Pirates and again to Tander's point, that was a Geo spot. Gio came into that situation. He has been, so far this year, your most reliable reliever. And there are some that say, yeah, but Gio doesn't perform well in those situations. Based on what? If you look at any of the late and close numbers for Giovanni Gallegos, he's been tremendous. The guy is an outstanding reliever, and he's been a closer for the Cardinals before. And whether he is that specific label right now for the Cardinals or not, he deserved that opportunity last night. He got beat, man. And the thing that's really hard to swallow sometimes, and I don't want to make this bigger than it is, but it seems like it's an issue that's bigger than just sports. People can't accept defeat. They can't. Sometimes you just lose. And last night, the Cardinals just lost. They made the right moves. They made the right decisions. And it still didn't matter. And that's the story of the Cardinal season, if we're being honest, even when they do make the right moves. There's something there waiting for him. It's the whack-a-mole scenario, whether it's defense letting them down, base running letting them down, not hitting with the with runners in scoring position, which we'll get to from last night, the bullpen blowing up in the exact wrong time, the rotation not being able to get deep enough into games. Man, we've seen it every possible way. It's kind of like that 18-game winning streak in 2021 where you saw them find a way to win in every way possible. This is the exact opposite of that, where they're finding ways to lose in every single way possible.
4: And to your point of it being whack-a-mole, I looked this up today because I was curious. The Cardinals have the best bullpen in terms of strikeout percentage right now. The swing and miss that we always kind of clamor for in the rotation, and look, the rotation needs swing and miss. They've got that in the bullpen right now. Their bullpen ERA is one of the better in baseball. The strikeout percentage is the best in baseball. Last night, they just happened to lose by matter of fact that one of the relievers just did not have his best performance. And it's not even an issue if they blow that game and they were instead of 11 games under 500, they're 11 games above 500. We're not really even having a conversation about it. I I think there's a talking point to it and it's, oh, you know, yeah, they kind of did it, but it's not a big deal. It's one game. Everything feels like it is under a massive microscope right now based on the way that the Cardinals are playing and how they are just hemorrhaging right now and trying to find ways to win. Because a win like that last night would feel like one of those games where you kind of put a pen in and go, hey, maybe that's the jumping off point. You hit Otani. Maybe that's the game where the season turns around. And then you blow it and now you look at it and go, Okay, well, now you got to win four in a row to reach just our minimum of four and two on the homestand. Or you just got to win one to avoid being swept again for the second straight series, nonetheless, against L.A. teams. Everything is under a microscope right now just based on the fact that they are 11 games below five hundred and sitting in last place. Last night was just one of those where you did get beat with really your best asset, which is your bullpen.
0: Well, here's where I'm, I'm at with this. Please. This team is so mentally fragile at this point. I think when you have Ryan Helsley out there and you have somebody pitching as well as he did, only throwing 10 pitches, he's had innings this year where he's thrown 27, 24, and that's been fine. When you have him pitching as he was and you have the momentum, he's on a roll. I think that's a situation where you might want to leave him in. Statistics will tell you that Giovanni Gallegos was fine to go out there, and it's not the absolute wrong decision by Ali Marmol at all. I just think, from a standpoint of the the mental fragility part of this team right now, when you have a player on a role like that, write him out and let him go.
3: Yeah, I I disagree completely with it. And, And the reason why I would say that is because, and like, if he had thrown Helsley back out there, it could have gone the exact same way. And this is the thing that's tough is, like, the math is always in the critics' favor because we don't know what would have happened there if Ryan Helsley enters the game. Guys, Ryan Helsley has not been the same pitcher this year that he was last year. That's something we first have to start with. Neither has Giovanni Gallegos in a good way. They've, like, switched roles, basically, at this point in time. Gio has been borderline unhittable. Ryan Helsley has been getting, for the most part, hit a lot harder so far this season than he was last year. Here's one other thing that I would like to make sure that we take into account. Guys, what if Ryan Helsley told him, no, I'm not getting back out there? I don't know that to be true, but it's entirely possible, given how the Cardinals have approached and treated Ryan Helsley in the past, he very well may have said to Ollie Marmel, hey, I can't do three ups. I can't come in, sit back down, come in, sit back down, and then come in again. That's not something that I'm comfortable with for my arm right now, because in the past, it's not something he's done. It's not something they've asked him to do. And... There have been days where, whether it's back-to-back or three out of four, that kind of thing, he is unavailable. They flat-out say, hey, Helsley told us he's, he's, not, he's not up today. This might have been a situation where Ryan Helsley was not even an option for them. And if that is the case, does that change the the math or uh, the calculus on whether or not he should have used Giovanni Gallegos in that spot? I, it doesn't matter to me, because Giovanni Gallegos has been your best arm, and he got beat, and sometimes that happens sometimes like we were mentioning this yesterday with blackjack and comparing that to the decision-making that the Cardinals make. Sometimes sometimes you get into a blackjack game and you are having the exact right moves in every hand that you are dealt. And it doesn't matter because the dealer wins and that's the way that it goes. Sometimes you just have a bad run of it. Sometimes you're playing craps. You feel like you're making all the right roles and it, it ain't working for you and you lose all your money in one night. That happens sometimes. They made the right move in this spot. It did not work. Now, we've got a lot of texts that are basically saying that I'm caping for Ollie Marmel. Guys, if you haven't listened to the show, that's fine. But I have been critical of a lot of the decisions this year from Ollie Marmel. That just isn't the one that I'm willing to criticize. If you want to criticize him for, I think it was a weekend ago, he decided against a right-handed pitcher, and it ended up working out for him, actually. He had... Paul DeYoung and Tyler O'Neill, I believe it was, against a righty on the mound. And he had Burleson and Gorman Gorman both on the bench. He should have pinch hit in those spots. And then there was also, I think, a Tommy Edmonds spot up there uh, where he was able to hit against a right-handed pitcher. Should have, again, pinch hit there. He decided not to, and it worked in that inning. And nobody criticized him for it because it, it worked. Last night was the opposite. Last night was it didn't work, and so we're going to criticize it based on the result. the The process was good there; he just didn't get the right result. Coming up next, the Boo Birds were out last night in a way that, frankly, I've never heard them here in St. Louis, and Derek Gould said he's never heard them here in St. Louis. We'll talk about that coming up next year on One Hundred and One ESPN.
1: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on One Hundred and One ESPN.
3: <laughs> All right, it's time for the lineup game. Woohoo. I promise you we have not seen the lineup just yet. Now is the time to do exactly that. Cardinals going up against a right-handed pitcher today. First pitch coming up at 12:15, a gentleman by the name of Griffin Canning is on the mound for the Angels. He doesn't have significant splits so far this year. He is not a particularly good starter. He's one of those guys that starts like half the game. Typical six starter for a team. So uh, he's he's saying shutout today for the Angels. 26 years old, 6'2", buck 80. All right, T-Bone, I think this is going to be a pretty easy one. I don't think we're going to have any problems with this.
4: Are you kidding me? It's a day game. There's like weird stuff that happens with Ollie and his lineup. They just had
3: an off day. I feel like this is one of those. They're they're not getting away. They're going to be back here for the weekend against Detroit. I think we start out with a newt and just kind of go down the line from there. Yeah, I'd agree. Show me newt bar. I think Goldie. I'd agree. I think the tough part here is we got to determine who's going to be the DH today, and it might be Goldie, but let's stick with him at batting second for now.
2: I love Gold.
3: You got third, T Bone.
4: Uh, I would think it is Nolan Gorman. He's my guess for to be hitting third. I assume he's going to be back in the lineup after, you know, taking Shohei deep last night. Show me Gorman.
3: All right. Fourth seems obvious. They're not going away from Nolan Arenado. After Two hits last night. Nolan Aranato. All right. Um, Wilson Contreras, he's been batting fifth. Hopefully he's behind the plate today. He got an off day on. Tuesday, so I yeah. would assume Following that's going to be another the off case. day.
4: <laughs> Why uh, not? I, I agree I think it's got to be Contreras
1: Wilson! Well done! Wilson! Well done! Wilson! Well done! Wilson!
3: Well right, so far we're the same as last night I think it stays that way. Do you like Burleson here? Uh, yeah, let's go
4: with Burleson. I, I could see Alec Burleson batting sixth Show me Burley
5: What a shame Really? Okay
4: this is an O'Neal game, isn't
3: it? Uh, why? Because sure. he's all right, got whatever. all
4: the tools. All right, cool. Tyler O'Neal. Oh,
1: yes. All right. Canada.
3: I just at some point pick pick your guys and go with them. I I, I don't see the value right now in what Tyler O'Neal brings to the table, but whatever. Okay. Tyler O'Neal batting six. Uh, Dylan Carlson. I think he's your everyday center fielder right now.
4: We're going to hit him seventh, though? Yeah,
3: that's where he was last night.
4: Yeah, this is, I guess the Shohei was right. I'll i go with you, but I feel like this is a Paul Young spot. Oh, okay. But let's let's go with, uh,
3: show me DC.
6: No, no, no. Do you want to go with
3: Young or do you want to go with Donovan here? It's got to be one of those 2 young
6: DeYoung's
4: been playing better. I would say Young. Show me Polly D.
6: You are so wrong. Mm. Guessing Donovan. <laughs> yeah,
4: if it's not Donovan, it's it's a moderate spot, which is concerning. No.
3: Show me Donovan. Dun dun dun. <laughs> All right, Donnie's batting seventh. This will either be DeYoung. I think this will be DeYoung, right?
4: Yeah, I could see that where you hit Carlson or
3: right Knight. No, maybe it's Carlson. Let's go Carlson here. I'm going Carlson here. Yeah.
4: Let's go. Executive with, decision. <laughs> I actually support this executive decision. DC.
1: Hey,
3: Carl, okay. good to see you. Now, this is where I get concerned. There's no way they're going Taylor modern today. It's not going to happen, right? right? Well, I let's see. His entire role was to not play. They <laughs> yeah. literally called him up and said, role, we need somebody to not play. His role is to catch the pitchers warming up when the
4: catcher just made the last out of an inning. I saw it in person. Uh, well, we've already got, what, four infielders? Warman, Goldie, Arnado, Donovan. One of those is DH. I can't see it being modern. It's got to be. It's got to be Edmund. Edmund or DeYoung. Knife. I would go DeYoung. I, I don't personally. think you. I don't think you'd hit DeYoung ninth, though. You know, double leadoff. He's not a leadoff guy. I, I would say it is Tommy Edmund. Okay.
3: Show me Tommy Edmund.
1: But right now I'm going to need you, Tommy boy, to get this place going.
3: Okay. Run it for us, Grant. All right, we've
0: got the Newt in right field, Paul Goldschmidt at first base, Nolan Gorman at third base, Nolan Arenado is the go. DH today, Wilson Contreras at catcher, Tyler O'Neill in left field, Brendan Donovan at second base, Dylan Carlson in center field, and at shortstop, batting ninth, Tommy Edmond. That's
3: fine. I Well, we you know DeYoung again, right? I would personally go with Paul DeYoung over Tommy Edmond right now today against this specific pitcher. Um, but... And the reason why, to be clear, you've got a lefty on the mound tomorrow against Detroit, so you're for sure going to get Tommy Edmund into that game. Um, So I would have gone that direction. I don't have a huge problem with it. I think the lineup is mostly fine because Taylor Motter's not in.
4: Oh, that's, you know, you didn't have to single him out. It's not his fault he's serving the role of not playing. You didn't have to call him out. I mean, you didn't like O'Neal in the lineup. I mean, you almost quit the lineup game and left the studio. You were so upset.
3: I mean, I think that a lot of our audience would agree with me that this lineup would look better if instead of, let's see here, you could put Donovan in left field, you could have Arenado playing his typical third base, um, and you could have Gorman at second, Gorman at second, and you put Yepes in there. That would be a pretty nice lineup, in my personal, humble opinion. Coming up next, we are excited to be joined by Eno Saris. He called it before the season. He told us, I'm not sure that the Cardinals have the pitching to be able to be the contender that they hope to be. He has doubled down on that, and the Cardinals are honestly proving him correct so far. We'll talk to Eno Saris coming up next on 101 ESPN. Alongside Tanner and I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Alex will be back in tomorrow. Right now, we're happy to go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by Eno Saris. You can read his work over at The Athletic. He does very smart stuff, especially on the pitching side of things. You can also follow him on Twitter, as you should, at Eno Saris. S-A-R-R-I-S is how you spell his last name. Eno, we appreciate the time. As always, man, how you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, We're not doing so well, though, here in St. Louis, as you can probably imagine. The Cardinals now have the third worst record in all of baseball, uh, the worst record in the National League right now. Their run differential is only negative 19 on the season, but they are 10 and 21 despite that. You know, from a like big picture standpoint, when you look at the Cardinals struggles to start out the season, what immediately comes to mind for you?
5: the starting rotation (laughs) it's uh it's uh it's just something that uh, katie Wu and i wrote about before the season they were projected uh to have one of the worst strikeout rates in the big leagues and they do have one of the worst strikeout rates in the big leagues and this is at a time when the ball is flying out of the park again back at 2020 levels and the shift rules have changed to make an emphasis on pitchers striking people out you know now uh, the ball in play is more valuable because, uh, because there's, you can't have as many defenders on the right side of second base. So uh, just a, a lot of innings uh, from guys who aren't striking guys out. Uh, I think that is the major problem because if you look under the hood, the batting, uh, you know, I know they haven't been scoring runs like they used to, but uh, they have actually been playing well under the hood. Their, their, their walk rates, strikeout rates, barrel rates, they're all sort of top ten. Their bullpen is fine. Uh, defense is top ten. Like it's pit, it's the starting rotation.
4: You know with That being said, if they find a way to fix the rotation, whether it be making trades or Adam Wainwright's coming off the IL, and maybe they call up Matthew Libertor, who's been dealing in AAA with uh, the Memphis Redbirds, can you see this team taking off if they just fix this rotation? Can they get back to being a playoff contender with the rotation being fixed?
5: Uh. They right now um, have about, uh, according to Fangraphs, they have they have playoff odds and they have a twenty five percent playoff odds. So um, amazingly, that's not very far behind the Pirates one. So yes, this team is projected to be better going forward. They're projected right now uh, to end up around five hundred, um, and that's just by. You know, looking at run differential and looking at different things like that, looking at quality of team and trying to project it out. So they definitely still have a chance. And like like I told you, if you have a top ten offense, a top ten defense, and a top ten bullpen, it's really just on that last number to get any better than bottom five. Um, and uh, I do have some hope for uh, Libertors has, has been pitching better. It, it, he has been changing his um, his arsenal some. Um, I, I wish guys like Tink Hens were ready. You know. Uh, because, uh, you know, somebody with just standout stuff would be amazing for this team.
3: You know, this team needs to figure out its outfield rotation, the mix that they're using out there as well. I... I think they're they're ripe for a trade from that outfield mix at some point this season, and I guess part of the problem is I'm not really too too sure how other teams value their outfielders and if they value them the same way that the Cardinals at least did coming into the season. We've talked a lot about the White Sox as being a team that maybe they end up making a deal at some point this year. They're 10 and 21, just like the Cardinals are. It's it's been a disaster uh, up there for the White Sox. Do you see a match there potentially between the Cardinals and the White Sox with one of their starters coming in to fortify this rotation?
5: You know, my favorite starter over there in terms of what it might cost to get him and what kind of stuff he has is Michael Kopech. Um, And uh, the nice thing for the Cardinals would be he's not a free agent until 2026. Uh, he's not pitching amazingly well right now, and they may think that they uh, are getting a good deal. However, under the hood, this guy has legit stuff. Uh, he throws hard. He has uh, strikeout stuff. He's one of the leaders in the league in strikeouts. And you know, according to my stuff plus that, uh, you know, kind of a, a top fifteen type player in terms of in terms of the movement, velocity, release point, everything. So that might be someone right now. He's got a six ERA. People might not love it. Uh, as an acquisition, but uh, for a team that preaches uh, command and preaches pitch to contact, maybe they can find a way to get the best command out of him, and that would really that could make Kopac shine. So that would be one that wouldn't cost as much as as the rest. Um, if they want to, uh, if they want to spend a little more, uh, Lucas Gialito, uh is a free agent next year. Um, you know, he might be less to acquire um, and might be more their, their snuff. He does have strikeout stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, but the Cardinals seem to like to, to get people they have, you know, more than for one year. So. You know, Kopech or Giolito could be uh, could be a boon for the staff.
3: I'd be surprised if this happened, you know, but if if the White Sox decided, you know what, we're blowing it up. Uh, We're going a different path. And that means that our timeline no longer lines up with Dylan Cease's timeline. Again, I would be surprised if that was a decision that they decided to make. But if they did, what would you think of him as a potential trade chip for the White Sox?
5: I would throw everything at him. I would throw everything at him. I mean, I would. This is the kind of deal that would change the Cardinals uh, overnight. I think Dylan Cease is, uh, you know, top five stuff in the league. I mean, this is a guy who throws super, super hard, has really great stuff. You know, you don't have a great framer behind the plate in Wilson Contreras, and uh, you know, he there is a drop off there in terms of defense, but from him to the Yachty. but I'm not putting it all on on Wilson Contreras, because the difference between Contreras and Yachty in terms of framing over the course of the season is about one win. Hmm. So if these Cardinals come one win short, uh, then you can uh, come to Wilson Contreras' door. But you know what? He brings a lot of that win back with offense that Yachty didn't have. So, uh, you know, maybe Dylan Cease and Wilson Contreras is not the best combination because Cease doesn't have great command. Uh, but on the other hand, I think he has. he can just stuff his way out of it. Um, he is absolutely uh, an ace. And so if you could get Dylan Cease, I would get Dylan Cease.
4: You know, with that being said, I mean, we're talking about Dylan Cease, and you just said he he's an ace. The guy that we kind of pinpointed in the off-season for the Cardinals was Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty would be the guy that could raise the Cardinals ceiling. Do you think he's gotten back to ace form, or do you think he's going to have to now, ever since the injuries kind of settle into being more of a 2-3?
5: Yeah, um, you know, I don't, I don't see it. My stuff model says that he doesn't have an above-average pitch. The closest is the slider. We've known that the slider is his best pitch for a long time, but it used to be a standout pitch. Um, and so you can see it uh, even without any sort of fancy numbers in terms of uh, his whiff rates. Uh, you can look at uh, his velocity. Um, you know, those types of things are not back to, to where they used to be. Um, and then on top of that, uh, he seems to have lost his command in the meantime. Um, and so uh, I'm not, I, I think he's a useful part of what happens going forward. And I think he will walk fewer batters going forward, but I don't see him as an ace.
3: Eno Saris is our guest for just another minute or so. You can find his work over at The Athletic and follow him on Twitter at his name, at Eno Saris, E-N-O-S-A-R-R-I-S. Uh, Eno, one of the guys that we've talked a lot about when it comes to the Cardinals rotation is the struggles that we've seen from Steven Matz so far this year. Uh, Ollie Marmol was asked earlier today if they were going to either skip his start or potentially even move him to the bullpen, and he was hesitant, but it seemed like he's likely to make his next start for the Cardinals at a minimum. And we'll see what happens from there. I would imagine that's probably the spot that Libertor eventually takes. What's gone wrong for Steven Matz since the Cardinals signed him in your opinion, obviously the injuries are one thing, but even when he's been on the mound, the results have not been what I would imagine the Cardinals expected them to be.
5: Yeah. I mean, one, uh, one thing that I can see right away is that, uh, he's lost a tick, uh, you know, and, and velocity is important. Um, You know, also his vaunted curveball, he's kind of, he's lost it. Uh, It used to get six inches of drop, and now it gets two and a half. Uh, That's a big deal. Um, And, uh, you know, he doesn't, uh, he's starting to use the curveball less. And the problem is, if you've got a fastball and a change, that's fine. But you've got to get same-handed guys out, too. And you have to show something other than your fastball and change. And so when I look at his line, I, I see him searching Uh, for a third pitch uh, to to pair with his sinker uh, and change. And the slider isn't very good right now, and the curveball is getting worse. Uh, So that's, that's, I think, his real problem. I don't know why uh, something like that would happen. Um, You know, something in his release point uh, might be part of it, um, and uh, his release point is down a little bit. But sometimes when a release point is down, uh, that means that there's something that doesn't feel right interesting
3: you know we appreciate the time as always man you always make us a little bit smarter about the cardinals when we're able to talk with you uh we appreciate the time as always hopefully next time we're talking about a cardinals team that's figured things out in the rotation we can talk about what that looks like in this nl central
5: yeah i mean there's still hope with a call up i would i would add a trade a call up a trade and uh some better days from the guys they've got
3: you know appreciate it man we'll talk with you again soon Thanks. You got it. That's Eno Saris of The Athletic. Find him on Twitter at Eno Saris. Always appreciate him hopping on the show. I think the Cardinals have the, the makings of what can be a solid rotation. And I think this is part of the problem is like now you throw Waino into the mix and we don't know what he's going to look like. There are real questions about what his effectiveness will be because we have not seen him be a very good major league starting pitcher since August of last year. Basically, it's been what is it that at this point, like nine months since the last time that we saw him be effective. Now that's not his fault. He's been hurt. He had last year at the end of the season, the comebacker that messed up his uh, release point. And then during the off season into a world baseball classic, he had the issue with his um, leg as well. So, we just haven't seen him, and the velocity was down in the spring. It sounds like it ticked back up as he was going through his rehab starts. We're hoping for the best for him, so that's one spot that you've got questions about. Michaelis has kind of righted the ship, even though it's not been perfect. Montgomery's been outstanding all season long. Flaherty's been solid. I, I do think you need one or two other significant upgrades in this rotation. Maybe one of those could be Matthew Liberator. Maybe you need to make that move uh, via a trade with probably the White Sox. Somebody else uh, brought up Eduardo Rodriguez. Maybe maybe that's the one as well. There's a lot of different options that could be available. I think the thing that is concerning to me, honestly, is because okay, so you're adding Wayno in, that's another variable that they're going to have to consider. Then eventually you're going to get to Matthew Liberatore. That becomes a variable that they have to consider. If things don't get righted with those two things added in, those two starters added in the mix, man, we're into like June, And if this team is still spiraling out of control by then, you might be so far out of it that it doesn't even matter if you go out there and make a trade. You are in a spot right now where the Brewers were a couple of years ago when they decided to make that big move to be able to get a shortstop that they felt like they could count on every day. Completely changed the trajectory of their season and they were able to take off from there. I think it's just about time for the Cardinals to make their big move early in the season, earlier than anybody would expect it to happen.
4: I I agree with you. I I think it is time for that big move. I mean, right now, everything you're trying isn't working with the St. Louis Cardinals, and they haven't even made any big moves. I mean, we talked about it, I think it was yesterday. What's been their biggest move? It was optioning Jordan Walker. They haven't really had anything to the... To their pitching staff. And like Zuniga went to the bullpen, but the bullpen's been fine. The the rotation's been the big problem, as Eno said. So I I think you're looking at, and I, I actually think that the Cardinals match up with the White Sox very well in terms of making a trade where. You've got a supplement of outfielders. Their outfield's been terrible. Maybe you can make a move. I, the the thing is, though, is even if they wait till June and they are spiraling out of control still, and, you, and like you said, maybe at that point you don't make a move, I would still make a move, but it would have to be a move to get a guy under control. And, and that's where it gets hard. And I just don't know if this front office would show that kind of urgency or willingness to part with the prospects or players that it would take to make that kind of move happen. I, I don't think you can look at this year if this thing doesn't turn around and go you know what, our winning window isn't going to be for three years. I I think you go, this was just a bump in the road, and we should be a contender next year, and that's when he still should be making that move for a starter that has control.
3: I don't know what the cost would be for Dylan Cease. I don't know if the White Sox would even be interested in trading him. He's 27 years old. He's got two years left of control through arbitration over the next couple of seasons. If he was a guy that ended up becoming available, and they said, hey, we want Dylan Carlson and... Uh, insert lower starter X, like Gordon Graceffo, Michael McGreevy, whoever their favorite is of that next wave of pitcher that's coming up. Uh, And then they probably would want something else in there. I I don't know specifically what the ask would be. He's he's an outstanding pitcher, and everybody should want Dylan Cease. If that ended up being the case, that is the guy you go after. If you can't get Dylan Cease, Lucas Giolito makes me nervous (laughs) because he was one of the guys that got hit pretty hard with – a lack of effectiveness after the sticky stuff was banned, and then who was the other one that he said? Michael Kopech. Kopech. Kopech and makes me nervous. He's one that has very little command. He's got good stuff, but doesn't have a whole lot of command, and he's been getting hit pretty hard so far this year as well. So I, all of these guys are risks, and that's the problem with where the Cardinals are at. Is hey, these teams are bad because they don't have a lot of starting pitching. It, it's going to be tough for them. Three one four three nine 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 six four six is the Air Comfort Service X line. Questions and answers coming up next.
1: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe it's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers.
6: Brought to you by Insperity. To HR issues have you boxed in? Expand your possibilities at insperity.com.
3: Inside Tanner Hendrickson and Grant Francis, I'm Brandon Kylie. Three one four three nine 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 six four six is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Let's start with this from the three one four guys. Why do you think it is that the Cardinals can't seem to get young players established in the majors? Is there anything specific that you see going wrong, um, T-Bone? I'll start with this one. I don't think this is a Cardinal specific issue. I think we notice it with the Cardinals because we follow the team closely. I think most teams around Major League Baseball have this issue. You look at what the Mariners have had to go through with uh, their young outfielder. Oh, my, why am I blanking on his name? Nope. Uh, the other one that struggled last year. Oh, Lefty uh, that crushed the Cardinals.
4: Kelnick? Cl- 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 Kellenick.
3: Kellenick. He really struggled last year, and he was one of the top prospects in all of Major League Baseball. This year, he has come back, and it's looked incredible for him so far. He's batting three ten on the season with an OPS of almost 1,000. So it's fixed. But it took a little while for him to get established the way that they were hoping for him to be. And his his progression is kind of similar to what we've seen from Nolan Gorman. Honestly, Gorman this year has been really good for the Cardinals. But last year it was very up and down. It's hard. It's really hard for these guys to break through in the major leagues and some of them just it never happens for them. So I don't think this is a Cardinal specific problem, but we notice it because it feels worse when it happens to our team.
4: And and I think we've said this before, but it's hard to develop those guys on winning teams with expectations because... I mean, look at Gorman, for example, when they called up Gorman, it was why? Because they had an everyday, everyday playing opportunity and they played him. But when he struggles and you're trying to compete and win in NL Central or get into the playoffs, it, it's hard to continue running a, a rookie out there trying to learn on the fly at the big league level when you might have better options. This, it's exactly what happened to Jordan Walker, where it was. All right. Can Jordan Walker learn here at the big league level? We think so but well, we've got too many guys that I've already got experience and he's not playing well. And if he's not going to get playing time, he's going to have to go down to the minors and work on stuff. So I, I think winning teams, it's tough. And I know I'm sure the Texans are said, well, look at the Dodgers. Huh. Well, the Dodgers have had a very tough time doing it too. Like, outman's the last guy that they've recently done it everybody else has been kind of bust for them so far in terms of developing position players they've done a good job on the pitching side but they're struggling to develop talent from the positional player side as well that's why they're resetting the books and probably making a huge run for like otani in the offseason because they they can't seem to develop guys either they did not have anybody ready to take over for trey turner at shortstop like they thought they did so it is tough when you're a winning team it's easier for teams that are rebuilding or um like the mariners for example there, were, there weren't high expectations for them last year and allowed Rodriguez to really take off and flourish. I'm not saying he wouldn't have done it if they were a team that was expected to win the AL West but it's a little easier when there's not that much pressure on when the season begins.
3: Yeah. James Outman's really the one guy that's like worked out for the Dodgers in that regard. He's been outstanding for them so far this year. I was really impressed by him in that Dodger series as well, uh, but otherwise it, it's been hard for them to be able to develop, especially in the last couple of seasons, that young talent as well from the three, one guys at what point do the Cardinals decide to fold up shop and call it a quits on this season? I don't think that's happening for a while. And the reason why is because you look at the NL Central and yes, the Pirates are right now 10 games up on the Cardinals, but the rest of this division, at least in the last 10 games is not pulling away from you. The best records are six and four from the Reds and the Pirates. The Brewers are going through some struggles. The Cubs are kind of falling back to earth in a way that I think most people expected them to. I don't think that you're out of it yet. Now, if this continues, and against the Tigers and the Cubs and the Red Sox, the lesser teams that are on your schedule, if you continue to struggle, there's going to come a point in time, probably by the end of the month of May, where you look at it and say, you dug yourself such a big hole, there's no coming out of it. But I think it's probably around early June when that even becomes a consideration. But before then, I don't think it's there yet.
4: Yeah, I think early June, it starts to become a consideration if you don't turn it around. I I don't think you really hear reports or hear the Cardinals say they're quote-unquote giving up on the season until about July because you get to July and you're sitting I don't know say it's 15 games back of the division and you're close to 10 games out of the wild card they're going to start having conversations with other teams about selling Montgomery Flaherty maybe some of the bullpen arms because the bullpen's been so good like I, I think July would be when they kind of fully say you know what it's just not our year it's better for us to gain some assets and look for next season but i i can't see it being earlier than that even if they struggle this month i don't expect to it just start seeing reports of hey Cardinals giving up it's yeah. over they're they're done because i agree with you pittsburgh we'll see if they're for real the only team that i think is actually for real so far based on the way they're playing is milwaukee in this division i, I think they're good pittsburgh i'm i'm not 100 percent sold on
3: all right final thing here from the 636 guys why do you think it is that jordan walker is now struggling down in the- What happened? Everybody was excited about him. He had performed so well in spring. He seemed to be hitting pretty well up here with the big league team, and now he's struggling down in the minors. Uh, Down in the minors so far, he is batting, let's see here, 158 with a 315 slugging percentage. Um, it, It has not gone well for him so far. He had that one home run that everybody got excited about from over the weekend and then hasn't really done much since then. I think this is what the Cardinals saw. I I know people get mad when we talk about the underlying numbers for for players. There's a reason why they matter, because they signify whether or not your performance is sustainable. Jordan Walker's performance was not sustainable. He was hitting the ball very hard, but he was hitting the ball almost every time on the ground. And when you see something like that happening, it means that over time, he's probably going to run into some struggles. He's also a guy that doesn't walk a ton and strikes out a decent amount right now. And so when you don't have that basically flotation device to keep you up or at your your level it's really hard and you can go through a massive slump where you're hitting the ball into the ground striking out a decent amount and not walking that is the worst case scenario for a young player and you can get buried like that so i think it was that and the cardinals outfield mix was so cluttered that they couldn't make it work with all five of those guys I think all of that is starting to now show its show those warts down in the minors. He needed more seasoning, didn't see it in the spring. Now we're seeing that right now.
4: Yeah, I, I think you you hit the nail on the head right there. He, he's he's hitting the ball on the ground, and it's tough because we can't we don't have like the advanced metrics since he's been moved to the minor leagues. But my guess is is he's hitting the ball on the ground still because he's not hitting for any power. And my other guess is that because he's not walking, which is something he's going to have to work on his better pitch uh, selection and recognition is he's I'm sure he's getting beat with the slider and yes his numbers were good against the slider but he's whiffing 38% of the time and that was the pitch that I think it was Kyle Reese told us before the season started teams were peppering him in the minor leagues on that slider low and away. And you could see they started to do that at the major league level, and he would chase it. So, I think he's not drawing walks, he's not hitting for power, and he's hitting the ball on the ground. And I think he'll get that turned around. That was the main reason they sent him down. He's going to get that fixed. He's too talented not to fix it. I I don't think Walker's done by any means I, I think he'll be back up with the club at some point this year and i think once he turns that around and starts getting the ball in the air you're really going to see him take off
3: on the ground 55 percent of the time so far since going back down to AAA, which is way too high of a rate you want that to be a lot lower coming up next is it time for the cardinals speaking of that outfield mix to decide who their guys are that they're going to be building around in the long run thought it was interesting what well, michael gersh had to say yesterday on Bally sports midwest we'll hear what he had to say coming up next you're on 101 espn
1: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. There are only three guys that you know are going to play every day. I mean, really, Tommy Edmund's going to bounce around. Is he really the shortstop or is he going to be playing other places? Is Brendan Donovan really the second baseman or are we going to see Nolan Gorman there? Is Nolan Gorman really the full-time DH, even though he's been the best hitter so far this year other than Goldschmidt, or is it going to be someone else? It's, it's Arenado, it's Goldschmidt, and it's Contreras, and then everyone else, it's an AAU tryout. And that's ridiculous. That is not Cardinal baseball. And they got to commit to people just like the fans of St. Louis need to say we are 10 and 21. Wear it for a change and now you get a taste of whatever thing I'm dealing with.
3: Some strong words there from Greg Amsinger wow. on with the morning show today alongside Tanner Hendrickson, who's filling in today in the big chair for Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie Grant Francis in with us today as well. Always appreciate him being along for the ride. 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line to get involved in the show. Uh, T-Mone, I actually don't necessarily agree with what Greg Amsinger had to say there. I don't think you need to commit to guys at a specific position every single day. I just disagree with the philosophy. Like, we came into the season knowing this was the way that they were going to go about it, and they followed it for the most part. I would also add this. I think they're committing right now to Dylan Carlson. He has started each of the last six games in center field for the Cardinals. That's commitment. They have decided Dylan Carlson, by their actions, not their words, is our center fielder. I agree with that decision. I think he should be your center fielder right now and just live with whatever it is that you get against right-handed pitching. It's not going to be great. Last night, you got a home run against a right-handed pitcher from Dylan Carlson. That was a big moment for him. But you have to understand that that's going to be few and far between, and it's kind of like the Harrison Bader experience. He's your best defensive player out there. You run with it. Nolan Gorman should be your DH most days. But if Nolan Arenado's off or if Brendan Donovan, for whatever reason, they don't want to put him out there against a left-handed pitcher or whatever the case is, yeah, go ahead and get Gorman out there in the field occasionally. I don't know that I'm as far on this as Greg Amsinger is, but what I do think they need to do more of is to decide which three outfielders they're going with and run with it. Are you committing to Tyler O'Neill or not? Do you think Alec Burleson is a legitimate starter or not? Those are the two guys that really they're, they're waffling between because Lars Newbar has started every game since April 20th. Dylan Carlson has started each of the last game, uh, last six games in center field. It's really that one other spot that right now they're having to decide on.
4: Yeah, I I think there is something to it in terms of, you know, getting guys in there and having them there for a week to week and a half span and just see how they go. And and that's why I don't mind what they're doing with Carlson. Should it be playing against right-handed pitching? Probably not, but it's clear that they want to still figure out if there's still more to Dylan Carlson. So throw him out there. Lovefield is the spot that they're still trying to decide. Tonight, today felt like a Alec Burleson start, and he's not in the lineup. It's Tyler O'Neill, and that's rotating it back and forth between those two.
3: That's kind of weird, right? Because tomorrow it's a left-handed pitcher, so you would expect to see uh, O'Neal. Tyler O'Neill out there tomorrow. I, I'm I'm a little confused by that one, honestly.
4: Yeah, I, I I don't know. I just I think right now they know that both burleson and o'neill are struggling and i think they're waiting to see if someone's just going to take off but it's hard to do that when you're playing basically what every other game it's hard to really get a read if that player is going to be uh if he's going to take off from one performance so i i do think they do need to figure out this outfield and say you know here's our three guys we're going to run with it and that's what we're going to stick to and i i thought michael gersh when he was on pregame on Bally sports midwest i thought you saw I don't know if disconnects the right word, but you could tell there's definitely a little bit of a difference, I think, between what the front office was thinking, what Ali Marmol's thinking, because Bert Gersh basically said, hey, yeah, we need guys to know what their role is and we want to see them play. So essentially he's saying, yeah, we want to see the three same
3: outfielders. Let's hear that. Actually, here's what Michael Gersh had to say to Bally Sports Midwest yesterday prior to the game. If you're not patient, and guys feel like every time I go 0 for 4, I'm not playing tomorrow, you're not you're not putting anybody in a any place to succeed. Um, if you're too patient, you just leave a guy out there to to wallow. It doesn't help him or the team. Uh, trying to find matchups, trying to trying to balance those things has been has been a challenge. And when when it's going like this, it certainly our balance is not quite right.
4: Yeah, and right there when he said, you know, having patience, and now he did also point out, you know waiting patience too long can be detrimental to the team. But I think when he said patience and also finding matchups has been difficult for us right now, I think Michael Gertz was saying, yeah, we want to see the three same outfielders for a stretch. And I don't mean a month. I mean, probably a week, week and a half of running out the same outfield of whether it be Tyler O'Neill or Burleson and left with Carlson and center and bar and right? And see what you have. See what that guy ends up doing and see if he takes off and runs with it and not pinch hitting for him late in games. Like we've kind of seen just baffling decisions on when they do it with Dylan Carlson, when they don't do it. I, I think the front office wants to see a consistent outfield. And I think the problem is, is I think Ali Marmol wants to play by the matchups. That's what he he said when he was hired. I want to play by the matchups. And the matchups wouldn't tell you to be starting uh, Dylan Carlson against right-handed pitching but I think there's a bit of a disconnect of they want to see everybody out there on a regular basis to see what they have. And now Ollie says, okay, you cut down my outfield mix by sending Walker down. And he says, you know what? I'll stick with Carlson. I'll stick with Newport, but I'm not going to commit in left field yet just because I want to play the matchup somewhere. I want to platoon more. And I think that's where he's getting caught into trouble.
3: Here are two players that are in this mix right now for the Cardinals. This is since the start of the road trip for the Cardinals. So it's, uh, seven starts for one of these guys, nine starts for the other. They've both appeared in 10 games, okay? The first player, a batting average of 167 with an OPS of 519. Again, get a 167 batting average, an OPS of 519. The second player, a batting average of 167 and an OPS of 419. The first player that I mentioned was Alec Burleson. The second player that I mentioned was Tyler O'Neal. Neither Neither of them is producing at the plate. And so it becomes very difficult if you're Ollie Marmal to make decisions on who to go with. And this is, I mean, yeah, it's a small sample size in terms of 10 games, but that's half the season basically right now, or it's a third of the season right now. So who do you go with? Do you go with the guy that gives you a little better defense out there with Tyler O'Neill, but has been actually a little worse at the plate than Alec Burleson? Or do you go with the guy in Alec Burleson who... He's going to make contact with the ball almost every time he's up there. He doesn't strike out a whole lot, but he also doesn't walk very often. And his, when he puts the ball in play lately, a lot of it's been on the ground. A lot of it's been a little weaker and he's not able to get the results that you're looking for. And again, the defense isn't quite as good when he's out there. So it's six to one, half a dozen to the other. Neither of them is a great option. And when you have those two out there, plus Brendan Donovan's been struggling a little bit. Nolan Arenado's going through it a lot right now and you're not really sure what you're doing at shortstop between Tommy Edmund and Paul DeYoung, this is where I understand where Greg Amsinger is coming from, where it's kind of playing the results. And you're saying, hey, at some point, do you just ride with one of the guys? You choose who your player is out there, and you say, you know what? We're going to ride with this for the next two weeks. Let's find out what it looks like, and we can make our determination based upon that. That's what I would do. Personally, for me, I'm kind of done with the Tyler O'Neill experience. We've seen it for... Four years now, and there was one really good season where God, the romance between St. Louis and Tyler O'Neill, it got That's a little high heavy. Everybody yeah, yeah. was excited about it. You were feeling good, right? It's that honeymoon period where everybody's like, "Oh man, this is great. We're going on vacations. We're going out for drinks three nights a week. Like, it's it's feeling good." But then you're like a year in. You've moved in together. He's a little bit of a slob, and <laughs> you're getting frustrated by the dishes being in the dish or being in the sink every day, like. There's some stuff that starts to show up that you you just don't feel good about. That's where the Cardinals are at right now in their romance with Tyler O'Neill. On the other side, it's still a little new. It's still a little exciting with Alec Burleson. He's taking you on some hunting trips, some fishing trips, and you're like, hey, this is kind of new. I've never really done anything like this. I don't know if it's going to work out. But let's go ahead and see what it looks like. That's kind of where I'm at with Alec Burleson. I, I would personally ride with him. I know the defense isn't great out there, but I think it gets overstated a bit as to how bad it's been. I think he's a below average defender in left field. And you find out if his contact profile ends up working out, I would have him in my lineup basically every day.
4: I'm kind of with you. I, w- I would go with Alec Burleson because I I said this and I, th- I find it to be true with Dylan Carlson when it comes to against what he what he is too as as a player. But I mean you've seen fourteen hundred plate appearances from Tyler O'Neill. He's inconsistent. I I don't think he's gonna be two thousand twenty one version of himself again. I think that was a blimp on the radar. And you know what he is essentially really just a flip of the coin of what you're gonna get each year from Tyler O'Neill. Alec Burleson, I still don't know what he is. He doesn't have a lot of plate appearances with the St. Louis Cardinals. I would run him out there. I do agree with your assessment in terms of the defense. I think he's average or slightly below average. But left field is typically the place where you put your worst defenders because one, it's a, you don't need to have that big of an arm in left field because third base is right in front of you so you can prevent first to third. Also, and I know people hate when I bring this up, it's not like Matt Holliday was a gazelle out there in left field. He, he was not great defensively and he played out there all the time. And I understand his offense made up I for just- that. <laughs> I, I understand that, but for as much as we talk about, well, you got to be great defensively. I don't know if you necessarily have to. If you're hitting Burleson like seventh in your lineup and he's providing like just average offense, I understand he's not been doing that lately, but if he could be league average offensively, you can live with him out there in left field, especially when you've got Carlson that can help him out in center and you're really good in right field with Lars Newbar.
3: Yeah, really, it's the offense. The offense is what's going to determine whether or not he can be an everyday player. If he is out there hitting... 260 270 with a little bit of pop you feel good about that that guy can play every day for you in left field I mean think about some of the guys that are starting every day in left field for some of these other teams that we've seen come through St. Louis they're not all great players in the outfield Alec Burleson would just be the latest to join that list but the offense has to start improving and that's where I I would have given him a shot today I, I would have put him in the lineup today and I would have probably gone with Tyler O'Neill in the outfield tomorrow because, again, you're going up against a left-handed starter. That's the exact spot where you should be utilizing him. Um, I, I'm a little surprised that they decided to go away from Alec Burleson today. Coming up next, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. T-Bone's in the big chair. He's got his big moment. Believe it or not, oh, yeah. coming up next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Look at what's happened to me. I can believe it myself. Suddenly I'm a bomb. I was a little high
4: last week in my pitch, so I'm going to work on that this week. Clarify, but, yeah, it was bad
3: last week. I'm not going to
4: lie. Believe it on air. Never thought I could feel so free.
3: I don't have that in me. Oh, that oh, was a bad. A prayer. Who could it be? Believe it or not, it's just me. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service Text line. What we learned today is that we need Alex Ferrario for those yeah. high notes. Yeah. I am not capable of hitting that high note. I Grant, could have used you there, big guy. Yeah,
4: I, I still felt my, felt my pitch was off. I, I need to go through warm-ups. Next yeah, mid- time,
0: Tanner, it's you and me.
3: Oh, <laughs> okay, there we go. I like it. <laughs> I like him taking charge here. All right, let's start with this from the three, one, four Guys, believe it or not, Matthew Liberator will be starting a game for the Cardinals before the end of the month. Matthew Liberator will be in the Cardinals rotation before the end of the month of May. Believe it or not.
4: I'll believe it. I, I don't even know how they could justify not starting him before the end of the month. I mean, I'm stunned that it sounds like Mats is going to be starting again over the weekend against Detroit. Um, I, I think you see Libertore take Matts spot in the rotation at some point. I'm assuming after this weekend because I don't see him turning it around. I, I will I will believe this. I, I think they're going to start Matthew Libertor. Maybe not this turn through the rotation, but the next.
0: I'm going I think a lot of it hinges on what Steven Matz does in his next start. Like if if he does the same thing that he's been doing, then yeah, I think you see Liberatore. If they give, if he gives the Cardinals any reason to believe that they can salvage him, then maybe not this month for Liberatore, but I I think it hinges on that start for Matz.
3: I I think Matthew Liberatore is scheduled to start tonight in Memphis. If I'm not mistaken, if that goes well, I would just start him next time through in the next turn in the rotation. I would just bring him up and say, it's your turn. You're coming up and we're going to ride with you and we'll see what it looks like. And if it goes really well, you're going to be a stalwart in our rotation for the next five years. And if it doesn't go well, we're going to stick with you three, four times through the rotation, just as they did with Jake Woodford, just as they have so far with Steven Matz. And if it doesn't get cleaned up by then, you're probably into mid-June or so. And now you're going to have to make another decision with it. Maybe that means somebody else coming up. Maybe Grisepo is ready by then. Maybe McGreevy is ready by then. Maybe make a trade. But I I think that by the end of the month, he should absolutely be a part of this starting rotation. T-Bone, what do you got for Believe It or Not?
4: Uh, Believe It or Not, we will see Alec Burleson take over as the starting left fielder by the time we get to the All-Star break.
3: Not, I'm not going to believe it. I think if he was going to be the starting left fielder, it would have happened by now. I think by the All-Star break, you're starting left fielder is probably going to be Lars new and i think jordan walker is back in right field for you by the all-star break
4: what happened to uh o'neill o'neill or burleson i'm assuming you probably just traded o'neill's yeah,
3: gone <laughs> <laughs> i don't know
4: he's not here bk has left that relationship uh i'm gonna believe it i i think what happens is they move o'neill and they will throw Burleson out there in left field and give him a shot to run with it because he doesn't have as many plate appearances. Ollie Marmol seems to love Alec Burleson because he hits the ball hard. He has a great batter profile. He's just not getting... He's run into some uh, bad luck throughout the year. I, I think they will move O'Neill and I think they will give Burleson a shot because... I think they want Walker to spend a lot of time in Triple A. don't think you see him until past the all-star break.
3: All right, let's get to the text line. Guys, believe it or not, the Cardinals will finish the season below 500. That has not happened here in St. Louis since 2007. It has not happened since John Mosaylock officially took over as GM or president of baseball operations now.
4: I am not going to believe it. I'm not saying they're a playoff team, but I don't think they're going to finish below 500. I, I think right now they are trending towards a eighty two to eighty five win team. So I will uh I will not believe this. I, I still don't know if they're making the playoffs though.
0: I'm not gonna believe it either. I don't think they finished below five hundred, but I also said that the Blues would not uh, miss the playoffs. So I personally for me with this Cardinals start, it's giving me PTSD from what the Blues did. So I don't think that's going to happen. But anytime I think
3: that it also I'm reserved when I say that as well. Yeah, I totally understand it. I I don't blame you for that whatsoever. We've all had those thoughts about is this going to be the Blue season 2.0? I am definitely not believing this. I think that the Cardinals will find a way to get this thing back on track. I don't feel great about it. I don't know how anybody could feel great about it, but I think at some point they will find their level and it might start today. maybe last night was the start of you start losing games close and then you start winning games close and then you start finding a way to do even better than that. So I, I'm not believing this. I do think that they finish above 500. I don't think they're going to finish below 500 for the first time since 2007. T-Bone, we were talking about this before the show today, about the NHL playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Florida leads their series against the Toronto Maple Leafs 1-0. Guys, believe it or not, despite them being down in the series, the Toronto Maple Leafs will still end up representing the Eastern Conference in the Stanley Cup.
4: Oh, man. Oh, man. Florida feels like one of those teams that is just going to go on a run. Um, uh, I'm not going to believe this. I could see where Florida takes down Toronto and could end up representing the Eastern Conference. They feel like one of those teams where they got hot at the right time and they just took down the President's Trophy winner and they just continue to play well and they've got a playoff performer, performer in Matthew Kachuk. So... I'm not going to believe this. I do like that Maple Leafs roster, but Florida just has that kind of feel of a team of destiny to me.
0: I'm a hundred percent with you. I, and a big reason for it is Ilya Samsonov. I don't believe in him much as the goaltender for Toronto. Do you I, believe
3: in any of these goalies? Um, I, Jay of-
0: <laughs> I believe in Jake Ottinger, even though they're down one, nothing in that series, but I will say like for Toronto and I'm not taking anything away from them beating Tampa, but Victor Hedman was beat up. Eric Chernak was out like, Tampa Bay was banged up. They just had three long playoff runs like they're a watered down version of the lightning that you've seen in the past three years. And again, not taking anything away from Toronto because it is impressive. But at the same time, Bobrovsky, even though he hasn't been good in Florida, typically he's on right now. And when he's on, he's tough to beat. So I like Florida to win that series against the Maple Leafs.
3: I think the problem for me is even if they do end up advancing past this round, it's not going to be easy in the next round. No. They, they've got to they've got to come back in this series, and then they've got to find a way to beat one of two very good teams. I'm not going to believe this either. I like this Maple Leaf team more than previous years, mostly because sure. of what they've done down the down the middle, especially with Ryan O'Reilly. He's added real depth for them, and they play with uh, details in a way that they haven't in previous years. But the goaltending ain't great. The defensively, they're not great in general. They need those core pieces. To outscore their problems, and we've seen what that looks like for the St. Louis Blues. They're a better version of that. Uh, I'm not going to believe this. I don't think they end up in the Stanley Cup this year.
0: I will say, I think something that would be interesting is seeing Carolina and Toronto in that conference final because you have basically equal goaltending. Like it's not really great on either side, yep. and you have a defensive team versus an offensive-minded team, and who like that can tell you a lot right there about what style wins in the NHL now.
4: I've got another believe it or Please. not for you. Believe it or not. If the Cardinals can turn this around with their starting pitching, they have the bullpen to go on a run in the playoffs. I'm not going to bring up the offense because Texans don't get upset. But sure. the Bullpen.
3: I mean, I believe in all of their components for the playoffs other than the rotation. That's what's weird is like, I watch them on a night in night out basis. And I'm like, this team has no chance, no chance. But then you look individually at the components that they have to offer. And it's like, yeah, they've got a lot of the pieces that you'd be looking for If I was to tell you, like, we get into the playoff, we get into late September and we start talking about the teams that are dangerous in the postseason.
4: Uh, uh, I can already tell. They they have the same
3: components as, for the most part, the Phillies last year. The one thing they're missing is that front end starter. And that's what they would have to go out there and acquire. But, yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. T-Bone, I believe this. I think the Cardinals have the bullpen. I think they've got the star power in the lineup to be able to go on a run in in October. I I think they just got to get there.
4: Yeah, I I think if they can turn it around, I think they've got the best bullpen they've had since 2013, 2015, when they went on those deep playoff runs. I mean, they've got some of the best left-handed relief pitching that they've had in years, and the numbers prove that. They have the highest strikeout rate among relief pitchers in Major League Baseball right now, and I know things went wrong for Gio last night, and I know Helsley's been a little off to start things. I trust those guys to get it figured out. And I now trust Cabrera. Uh, you throw in Zuniga if he ends up being a guy that plays a big role here. Like Verhagen, Verhagen's been spotty, but there's been signs that Verhagen's been good. Like, I can see the components to where this bullpen is maybe the best asset for the team going into the postseason.
3: Things might be turning for the Cardinals today, what boys. What
4: happened? BK's jaw literally dropped to my left while I was finishing my sentence.
3: I'm not sure I've ever seen a worse defense play in my life. (laughs) Definitely lost that one in the sun. (laughs) That's the honest truth. Uh, Hunter Renfro came in for a ball that went over his head, which oh, is he not pulled, what you want to see. He pulled Nozuna, but instead of overrunning it, he underran it? Uh, it was a it was a strange play, T-Bone. You can see the, the replay here since you were talking at the time. <laughs> it, oh was, it was odd. It ended up resulting in what I would assume is going to be put down as an error, um, but the Cardinals are now winning, and they have already been helped by another error earlier in this game. It was a two-run double by Wilson Contreras. By the way, Wilson Contreras is officially back on track. I'm, I'm kind of done with the Contreras bashing, by the way. The way that people are talking about him defensively, I think it's unfair. It's, it's unjustified for what he's been. He is not Yadier Molina. The expectation was not for Wilson Contreras to be Yadier Molina. It was never that. He's supposed to be a guy that comes in and helps you offensively, which he has, especially since the first, like, whatever it was, eight games of the season where he was terrible. He's been great ever since. He's batting above 300, and he's starting to hit for power again. What he does defensively is he's fine. He's fine back there. Is he a great game caller? No, I don't think so. I I don't think he's the best one that they've got. I think he calls sliders and um, breaking pitches way too often for my liking. But... Some of that also has to go on the pitcher right now because they've got the pitch calm. They can call their own game if they're not comfortable with the way that Contreras is calling it for them. So uh, I think he's been a pretty good addition for the Cardinals. The problem is everything around him has failed.
4: I, I thought, you know, said at best when we talked to, uh, you know, Sayers of the Athletic earlier, you know, he said his, his framing's below average and it's, it's below like what you would expect from Yadier Molina. But that maybe is what one win. And he makes up for that with his offense. And I just looked, his war right now is at 0.5. So like, he'll make up for his lack of defense with his offense. And if it is really just one win potentially with his uh, defensive metrics, you, you can make up for that with his offense, the capability that he has, the power that he can show. And again, he's not going to be a guy that you're ever going to look at and go, you know what, he's calling a great game probably. He's, he's just not that. He had that as a reputation before he came here to St. Louis.
3: He's Tanner Hendrickson. That's Grant Francis. I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, would we have been better off by just literally not paying attention to a single storyline in spring training we'll discuss it next year on 101 espn
1: we're right back to the PK and ferrario podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn
2: little looper into left But that's going to end the game. The Angels win their first game this year when trailing after eight innings. And the Cardinals' miseries continue. They've lost 12 of 14, five in a row. And after leading
3: 4-3 in the ninth, Brad, falls 6-4. That audio courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest. The Cardinals lose again last night and it is getting ugly. They dropped to 11 games under 500 for the first time since September of 2007. Their 2-12 stretch that is also the worst since September of 07 when they went 4-16 and over the course of a 20-game stretch. They are now the worst team in the National League by winning percentage timo nobody could have expected this and part of that is because of what we saw from the cardinals during spring training where i mean let's be honest the best game that the cardinals have played so far this year took place down in jupiter like the best version of this team was the spring training version of this team and you look back at some of the storylines that developed i genuinely think and i tried to tell you this during the spring i even fell for some of them though if we didn't pay attention to any Any of the storylines for the Cardinals in spring training, we would have been better prepared for this season than by paying attention to all of them. Let me go through a few of these. Brendan Donovan was hitting the ball hard. He finished the spring training with four home runs for the Cardinals, which I think was like the matching of what he did last year. Yeah, he has a 368 slugging percentage on the season carried over for the first homestand. Uh, Dylan Carlson, he was hitting great against right handed pitching by the end of spring looked awesome. He's batting 205 against righty so far this year. Jordan Walker looks like he was ready for Major League Baseball. It was time for Walker to come up to the big leagues. Sent down after 20 games. Mason Wynn, remember how exciting he was in the spring? How great he looked and how some people were wondering, hey, do you just bring him with you too? You just go ahead and make him your backup utility infielder. He hit 333 with six extra base hits in spring training. He's now batting 235 down in AAA with basically no power. Everything's been hit off the ground. Nolan Arnato was batting 524 for the Cardinals in spring training, and he looked really good in the World Baseball Classic as well. He's off to one of the worst starts of his major league career. He's had basically the worst stretch of his major league career over the last 12 games or so. Jake Woodford, Steven Matz, those were your two clear-cut best starters I, in spring training. I definitely fell for the Matz one. Nobody should be surprised if both of those guys are out of the rotation by this time next week. Zach Thompson, he was your clear-cut best starter or best left-handed pitcher out of the bullpen in spring. He's now back to AAA to potentially start for the Cardinals in 2024. And finally, on the negative side of things, Giovanni Gallegos was getting absolutely shelled in the World Baseball Classic. Oh, well, that continued. Hey, guys, he's been their best bullpen arm so far this year. Did you watch last night? Pretend you didn't hear that final call and pretend you didn't see what happened against him last night. T-Bone, did we fall for a bunch of nonsense by watching spring training?
4: Yeah, we did. and I'm still not going to learn my lesson, though. I'm still going to go back and fall for uh, stuff in 2024 spring training. But, look, it, it is always the tough part of trying to figure out what's real and what's not in spring training. Some things I, I thought for sure would be real. Woodford, for example, I thought for sure would be real because he went up against the Yankees, I think, middle of spring and it was most the Yankees lineup. I mean, they had Judge, they had Stanton in that lineup, and I, I thought for sure that after watching him pitch, and he pitched well, I thought for sure he was going
3: to carry over. It turns but, out the Yankees also stink.
4: <laughs> yeah, so I, you know what, I just fell for it from both sides. Um, but like some of these are just, some are tough to figure out, like the car, like the Carlson one without knowing exactly who he faced in every at-bat as a right-handed pitcher, it's tough to really dissect and say, was that really true, or is this what we're seeing right now more of what he is? And right now I think is what you're seeing. You've seen that he cannot hit right-handed pitching uh, in the at the major league level. My guess is most guys he hit in spring training were AAA or below arms, would be my guess. So did we fall for it? Yes. Um, but like some things, and I don't even think we mentioned the one, yeah, Nolan Gorman. There were some signs that Nolan Gorman was going to have a big year for the St. Louis Cardinals. You saw the defensive range improve in spring training, and you saw plate discipline look better where he wasn't chasing that high fastball. And he's carried it over. He's ended up showing that that was for real. I I think there are times you can take away things from spring training, but it probably is more of like what we're just seeing right now, where it is really you see like six or seven things that you're like, yeah, okay, these are going to carry over and only one ends up happening. You want, you want to say what we just saw or no?
3: The Cardinals can't have nice things.
4: Oh, what happened, man? <sighs> Jack's on the mound. It's going to be a good day. Oh, well, I could have hit that pitch.
3: Jack Flaherty's imploding.
5: It...
4: I wonder if the Boo Birds are out already. Is this just going to be the year from hell? Can it be a year from hell, though, when they're just not playing well? Because a year from hell would be to me injuries. And they can't use that as an
3: excuse. I think this is worse. At least if you had injuries, we'd be like, ah, well, you know, what are you going to do? Goldie and Arenado are out. Knock on wood. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But, (laughs) like, if that was the case, it'd be like, oh, this is all really understandable. The two best players, the guys that you're paying $70 million to, like, they're not a part of it. Or if... The rotation, kind of like June of 21, it was at least a little explainable because guys got hurt. Carlos Martinez got hurt. Jack Flaherty got hurt. And you were throwing out guys that shouldn't have been in your rotation. And then you had bullpen arms that were tasked with going out there for high leverage situations where they were just walking the world. And so you end up having to bring in like Wade LeBlanc to try to stabilize things. And it's like, yeah, what, what am I supposed to ask out of Wade LeBlanc? Five innings is great. This is awesome. And they got that out of him more often than not. The problem with this Cardinals team is the names on the back of the jerseys are the ones that we thought were going to be good. And I understand there's some texters that have texted in a few times where they've been basically like, hey, how did you guys not see this coming? Man, I, I hope you placed a massive bet on an alternate line for the Cardinals this year of them losing like 100 games if you saw this coming. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody. Even Eno Saris, who we talked to earlier today, who said, hey, I was skeptical of their pitching he's still talking about them today as a potential playoff team because everything else that they have should be pretty good. The rotation's bad, don't get me wrong, but everything else should be pretty good. I, I, this is shocking. It, it is shocking on every possible level. I can't believe it's this bad.
4: Yeah, I, I can't either. And look, I, if you thought, you know what, I don't believe in their starting pitching, then I think you got to basically what the line was in Vegas for their win total, which was 88 and a half. I think if you really thought that the rotation wouldn't be good, you thought, okay, 88.5 wins. Playoff team, they're not going to win 90. they probably sneak in, probably get that second wild card and potentially lose the division to the Brewers. I, I didn't see to where it would be the point where the rotation's bad. You've got the bullpen that, though the numbers are pretty good, has shown signs of inconsistency in terms of having, like, uh, Gallegos last night giving up three runs in a spot in which you feel like you're going to win the game. And offensively, having a bunch of guys that just aren't hitting, like the outfield. I, I thought for sure, though I was low on this outfield and I was low on Lars Newpar, I thought for sure I wouldn't be looking at the Cardinals baseball reference page and seeing three of the four outfielders are below league average. Like, that shouldn't be the case. Tyler O'Neill should be better than that. Dylan Carlson... Though he struggles against right-handed pitching, should be better than that. Alec Burleson should be better than that. And then you look at the middle infield. Tommy Edmund and Brendan Donovan, I'm not expecting them to be 20% above league average. And Edmund's been actually pretty good. Donovan, I expect to be better than what he's been so far, but he's not getting on base at a clip. I expect this team as a whole to be slugging a lot better than they are. And they're just not hitting for any power. So, I, I... I could not see this coming. I, I would have thought if you would have told me, hey, the Cardinals are going to start the year and they're going to be, and if they lose today, they'll be 12 games below 500 and lost six straight. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year, they're going to be sitting in last place, the, what are we, fourth day in May, and that they are going to be 12 games below 500, I would have assumed what you just said, Goldie Arnado have to be on the I.L. and potentially even like Jordan Montgomery.
3: Somebody said justice for Picota. Were the Pocota projections like outlandishly low this year? Wasn't it like 84 wins or something like that? I I don't yeah. even remember at this point what it was. What it was, um, but I, I I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked. Every day that I watch this team, I expect it to get better.
4: Well, hey, if you want a little bit of hope, Pocota thinks they're going to finish second in the NL Central at
3: 78 wins right now. 78 wins is what they're now projecting for the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this division is still garbage, so they've they've got that going for them. I know what the numbers say right now. I know what the records are, but the, this division's not very good. It, it a couple of teams have performed above expectations. I, I I don't I don't know what you do. I don't. Last night I was at the game, and dozens of people around me were shouting, "Fire, Marble. They were shouting it, and the boos were as loud as I have ever heard it at that, at this version of Bush Stadium, Bush 3. I I don't think you fire Ollie Marmel. I don't think that fixes anything. I do think that it is like past time to make some serious moves, though. Like maybe that means reorganizing your coaching staff. I, I, I don't know if Joe McEwing maybe isn't the right fit as the bench coach, and even if he is. Maybe he has to be the sacrificial lamb. I don't know if you decide a pop Warner, you're an organizational guy. We love you, but we need somebody else to go ahead and put the windmill on going home at third base. Like that's going to be the change for us. I, I don't know. I don't know what you do, but they need to make some roster moves. Juan Yepes should be a part of this team right now. Bring up him and Luke I, and Baker. I was say, what the Luke hell? Luke and Baker
4: has like 12 home runs so far on the year. He was AAA. just named.
3: What is it? Uh, minor league Cardinals uh, hitter of the month in the minors. Yeah. Bring him up. Go for it. DFA Modder, Bring up Luke and Baker. Uh, go ahead. And honestly, at this point, Alec Burleson's been struggling a lot as well. Go ahead and option him. If you really want to see what Tyler O'Neill can do, have Juan Yepes take that spot on the roster. Like, it's time to make some moves, boys. Matthew Libertor should start this weekend. Go ahead and bring up or keep Zuniga here. Give him a real role for this team. This is nuts. It's absolutely nuts to see them struggling like this on such a consistent basis.
4: And, and I don't think you fire the manager either. And to your point there, and, and it's tough to really point the coaching staff and say it's it's the coaching staff's fault to why they are 12 games below 500 and it's why guys aren't performing. But the only move that you could really make that would be a serious move on the roster because, like, I agree they should have Juan Yepes or Luke and Baker or hell, both on this roster. Honestly, they should be given Tres Barrera a chance to be the backup catcher because yes. Kisner's not done anything offensively.
3: By the way, can I can I speak to that real quick before you continue? Yeah, you go off. Apparently, I saw I was listening to Derek Gould the other day. He was talking about this. Apparently, they they prefer the way that Andrew Kisner works with the pitchers. Guys, I remember six months ago when they were talking about how they hated the way that Andrew Kisner works with the pitchers and how they didn't trust him as a game caller and defensively, he wasn't there. Like, what are we... The messaging from this team is so back and forth and we're in on this guy, then we're out on him. Hey, Brendan Donovan, we trust him against lefties. Now we don't because of a two-week stretch where he didn't hit against left-handed pitching. Like, it's, it, it is strange, man. From top to bottom, it is weird.
4: And, and it's not only just, like, quotes from this year and being in and out on guys. I refer back to, i said this yesterday, the Mo quote from, I think it's two years ago where it is, yeah, you know, it's tough to go sign guys to be on your bench as, as a bench bat. You really have to develop those guys internally. And you have clearly developed them in Luke and Baker. He's not going to be an everyday guy here in St. Louis. And that's not a shot against Luke and Baker. But he's not going to be a first baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals. You got Paul Goldschmidt there. Juan Yepes, they clearly did not trust him in the outfield last year when the manager said from day one of seeing him, he can catch the ball. Uh, so I, they're developing these bench bats and they're not bringing him up here. But to my point on the coaching staff, though they are the easy scapegoat, the only major roster move that you can make that would really send a signal to this team of we've got to figure this out and they're not going to do it would be DFAing Matt. There's just too much money to eat. He's like the serious scapegoat guy of what is the biggest roster move that we could make that would really send a signal and a shockwave probably to this clubhouse. And it would be Steven Matt's a guy that's been here for in year two of a four-year contract that has just been, let's be honest, another bust, another failed free agent signing by the St. Louis Cardinals so far. That's the only major shockwave they would do. And, and like you may say, well, you could trade Tyler O'Neill Is he really gonna be a shockwave? Cause I don't get the sense that he's like a beloved member of that Cardinals clubhouse.
3: yeah I feel like that would be a bigger shockwave than the Matt's one. I think i I don't know what DFAing Mats does. I don't think it really changes anything. I, I think trading Tyler O'Neill, who's an everyday player for this team right now, basically like, I think that makes a, a significant difference, and it just allows for opportunities for somebody else. I think the, I think the same can be said with Mats because then
4: you, then you don't put him in the bullpen, you don't have to option a bullpen arm, and you can put somebody in his spot in the rotation. Yeah, I just don't know. Like, it's a. I, I don't think they're doing it, but like, if you the, wanted a shockwave move, that would be the one. It would be like what the Diamondbacks did with Bumgarner. They said we're not gonna wait, we're not putting him in the bullpen. We're cutting bait with Madison Baumgartner. We're moving yeah. on.
3: I mean it's Stephen Matz. I I understand. The, the, the weight of a Madison Baumgartner being DFA'd is like, slightly different than the weight of Stephen Matz being DFA. But DFA'd.
4: Mad Bum like we act like you know, yes, Bumgarner's a big name. Mandison and not been in for three years. Steven I know, has been in years.
3: Like there's there's a little bit of a difference in terms of the weight of one of the best playoff performers in the history of baseball versus Stephen Matz. <laughs> like those two, one of those things is not like the other. But they pitch the same.
4: I, again, I'm not saying they should do it.
3: Yeah, they shouldn't do that. And that would. But be you want to make a did.
4: shockwave move? That would be the one for me. Is you DFA Mads,
3: trade Tyler O'Neill bring up Juan Yepes, DFA bring up Lucan Baker, um, DFA, yeah, this isn't a shockwave move, but DFA, Mater, um, because he he's not doing anything for you right now, and you could use that roster spot in a way that actually helps you, um, and then go ahead and overhaul this rotation in a way that's necessary. Bring up Matthew Libertor and hopefully make a trade for another guy. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, the Cardinals had their opportunities last night, and they weren't able to make it work. This is something that's been a problem for them so far this season. Michael Gersh had some comments about that. We'll get into that coming up at the top of the hour. Also want to hear from you. The mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. It's time to vent. How are you guys feeling about this Cardinals team? Who are you blaming for what's taking place right now? The mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. We'll hear from you guys coming up on the 1 o'clock hour. The Junk is next.
1: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The Junk Drawer with
6: BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best Trust wings in Missouri. Dine in, carry out seven days a week.
3: All right, let's dive into the Junk Drawer. T-Bone has a story for us today. T-Bone, what you got? Guys, I saw this
4: and I'm 100% in on it. Uh, you know those, like, balloons that will fly up to space? Like, they're right on the brink of the—is uh, it atmosphere? Is that the right word?
3: Yeah, there's been some uh, controversy with those yeah. in recent weeks.
4: Yeah, I'm not talking about, you know, that kind of balloon. But uh, there there apparently is a company that is working on having a thing like that that will go up to, like, the edge of space, and you can have, like, a cocktail party on there for $125,000. Nope. And you're hanging up there for about four hours. Nope.
3: I don't even like flying. I don't like flying, much less being up there in what is essentially a uh, hot air balloon that goes a little bit too high for my comfort zone. No chance, sir. Is it like glass on the outer side so that way you can see out or are you just you are in the air and you know it and everybody else does, but you can't actually see anything from it. I'm assuming there's probably some kind of window. There's
4: got to be windows because I don't think you could breathe up that high would be my guess. Um, I, I say there's windows for this balloon because you can't be in the open like that. So, but I'm in all Being closed.
3: Well, be it. well yeah, it- yeah, but that's,
4: what, that's what I'm saying. <laughs>
3: oh, I see where it's closed where you can't see out. Yeah, yeah I'm not I, saying that you're just like freeform yeah, on yeah, a platform. I thought, thought you're like you're
4: like in a hot air balloon, you know, where like it's just the air is around you. No, yeah, I'm, my guess is you're looking out because otherwise you're like just wasting money going up in the air for no reason. So I would say yes, but one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Look, if I had that kind of money. I would be willing to burn it on really this. yeah that sounds awesome why?
3: Why, why is this appealing to you what about this I'm specific- on like
4: the fringe of space with alcohol see, it
3: sounds great see this is something that has never appealed to me in the way that it does for a lot of other people I have no interest in going to space I'm good I don't need to go out there I don't need to see what's out there now if you told me there was an opportunity to see aliens here on earth I'm in you tell me that I need You're to go to somewhere go see else? Aliens on for Earth? them to be here? Yeah. Yeah. If somebody told you, hey, there's an opportunity to see whatever's out there here on Earth, but you can never tell anybody about it. Do you go?
4: No, I've seen how alien movies in. Uh, I'm in.
3: I, I don't because you yeah, don't. you know, you know why you're gonna never going to be able to tell
4: anybody about it because <laughs> we're not going <laughs> to find you again.
3: That's right. But I'm going to be in because that is an experience that I will uh, never be able to have in any other capacity. So I'm in. All right, coming up next, the Cardinals stink. This team's no good. It's not getting any better. How you feeling right now, Cardinals fans? It's time for you to vent. The mic drop features on the 101 ESPN Apple. We'll hear from you next year on 101 ESPN. I knew I was going to do it at some point today. Alongside Tanner Hendrickson and Grant Francis, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Really, the only surprise is that I didn't mess up with Grant. That's typically my go-to. I mess up with you, so I apologize, T-Bone. All right, we want to hear from you. The mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. We can't do like play by play of the Cardinals games, kind of against the rules.
4: Here, I can I can give it for you. Man, they're getting creamed. All right, move on.
3: <laughs> they're down seven to two right now, and I'll go ahead and read off some of the exit velocities against Jack Flaherty so far today if you guys are curious about such a thing. 101 95 107 9, uh 113 101 101-100, 105 99. <laughs> Jeez. They are hitting rockets off of Jack Flaherty. He is not getting swing and miss. Oh, God. Everything that can go wrong for this team is going wrong.
4: Can can I give you the more alarming number? And I just saw it again. The Cardinals with two strikes today, and we've known that's been the biggest issue for For the pitching. Is they're not putting batters away. And and whether you have a swing and miss stuff or not, you should be able to get guys out on two strikes. The Angels today are now eight for 13 with a home run and six RBIs with two strikes. That can't happen. Especially with Jack Flaherty on the mound. Jack Flaherty's supposed to be this guy that's going to put guys away. And now he's being looked at at the trainer because he's got Paul ball that just hit him. Um, but I, with two strikes, this team has got to get something figured out. And that's what Dusty Blake was brought in to do. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that probably if they're going to make a change and is going to be used as a scapegoat, it probably would be Dusty Blake. I can't think of anybody else because the pitching's been so bad.
3: They were so high on him.
4: They were. And they thought, you know what, he's going to add that extra swing and miss stuff. They talked about it with and he Montgomery. has to the bullpen. The bullpen's be, been be better. Bullpen's been better, but I think the spot that he was really supposed to do that to was the rotation, and the rotation's been bad. I mean, with two strikes, I mean, I know a lot of people will say well, maybe it's maybe it's on uh, Wills Contreras. Uh, I, I don't think so. For whatever reason, I mean, the two strike thing has been a massive issue for this team all season long, and it's continued today.
3: So Jack Flaherty was just pulled from the game. They're going to say this was because he got hit on the hand. He has at this point thrown seventy four pitches. And he has what is it? One out here in the third. Yeah, he's thrown twenty nine pitches so far in the setting. He couldn't continue. Like you could, you couldn't keep doing this. You you had to take him out of this game, and this just they hit the eject button because there was a convenient excuse as to why you needed to take him out. Now we'll we'll see what the update is after the game. I. I, it didn't look like anything serious when he was hit on the hand there. It, he, he, it was basically just an unfortunate play where it happened to hit him as it was going to second base and he tried to make a play out of it. Um, he's given up nine hits, seven earned runs, one walk and had three strikeouts today. It, it, it's time. Like it, is a, it is officially time to be panicked for the Cardinals. Like I'm there. I, I'm very much there. They're going to be 10 and 22 after today, barring something completely unforeseen. And they have not shown any reason to believe that that's going to happen so far this year. Um, your rotation is in shambles. Your bullpen is being counted upon a little bit too much. Your lineup is doing a whole lot of nothing. You've got Montgomery tomorrow. Thank God, because he's been the one guy that you can count on for length. But then on Saturday, you've got Adam Wainwright. We have no idea what to expect out of him on Sunday. It's either Steven Matz or maybe Matthew Liberatore. It sounds like it's likely to be Steven Matz. You could, it is very possible Finish something like one in five on this homestand against the Angels and the Tigers. That's the type of homestand that gets people fired, like real people fired. Especially when at that point in time you will be the worst team in the National League, and you might be the second worst team in all of baseball. That's inexcusable. I was talking; we were talking to Josh Innes, his new afternoon show host over on KC. Um He used to do sports talk for a living. I can't think of anything, and I would be very curious. Three one four three nine 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 six four six is the Air Comfort Service X line. I can't think of a comparison for this because it's not as if the nobody was picking the Cardinals to be like the best team in all of baseball, but even people that were down on them thought this team would win about 84 games this season and they might fail to reach like 75 games this season. Can can you, and they're healthy. That's the craziest part of it all is this is, this is not injury related. This is just the team that they constructed is bad actively bad. Do you have anything whether it's in baseball or another sport that you can like refer back to that you rem- that you remember something being like this?
4: I I don't know if I can remember one that was like supposed to win their division like the Cardinals were. I, I remember that Marlins team when they built that new ballpark and they went out and they signed a ton of guys. Like I think they brought in Jose Reyes, Mark Burley. Uh, they were in on Albert that off season. They didn't get him of course because he went to the Angels. But I remember that team spent a ton of money. I feel like there's somebody else I'm forgetting. Spent a ton of money and they ended up not living up to expectations and they and they failed miserably and what they do they blew up the team the following year. I I can't think of anybody off the top of my head of really in any sport that is kind of gone through this where expectations were high i mean i know we hate to say it but i, I don't think they're at this they didn't have expectations of winning their division but the blues this past season i, I don't think they, their expectations fall into the category of the cardinals where it was you are the favorite in your division because the blues were looking up to colorado now their expectation was a playoff team but it wasn't hey yours should be the best in your division and, and one of the top contenders in the conference it, it wasn't that and they didn't live that expectation
3: the one thing that i can think of that kind of it's not similar i don't think but like the lakers in 2012 they had dwight howard um that was the year they brought in steve nash That was like the the superstar club right kobe bryant, uh kobe bryant dwight howard steve nash Paul gasol they they had a really good team collectively but again that was that was injury related um the 2011 eagles the the dream team so to speak they had a bunch of guys that they signed that off season, and everybody was excited about them, but they didn't live up to expectations. They finished eight and eight that year, though. Like they were underwhelming, but they weren't horrible. This would be like the that Eagles team going three and thirteen or four and twelve that season. I I'm I'm hard pressed to find Brooklyn Nets with the big threes a good
4: one, but like they they were older i mean like that was a collective and that was injury older related group.
3: none of them were together at the same time are you are talking about this most recent one what no, are no, you talking the, about when one, they traded for the celtics
4: well the 636 is the one who brought it up uh i would assume they're talking about the celtics one because that's the one that came to mind with me because i agree the kd one, one was injuries it was injury
3: related the other one on those guys court. were old, over the hill that was just a, a dumb decision a lot of people saw that one coming I, I i can't i can't think of something like this somebody says the phillies just last year at least with that team, it was very clear what the problem was. They were horrible defensively. It was the reason why I didn't think that they were going to win a whole lot of games coming into this season. And it ended up getting the manager fired and they kind of were able to right the ship. Uh, people say the closest thing is like last year's Blues. I
4: That might be it, man. Yeah, but I, and this is why it's because with the Blues, we talked about it. I remember when we had our Blues like celebration party in, uh, I think we were in Belleville, if I remember correctly. I remember we brought the question of what's the over-under on their points? Will they get to it? It was was lower than what we were expecting. It was like 90 Yeah, kind of like the Cardinals in their window where it was lower. But you could look at the Blues and say, okay, if you don't buy into what Ivan Barbashev was the previous year, which was a 20-goal scorer, you lose David Prawn, your top power play production guy, and defensively that team had issues the year prior, even though they almost took down Colorado, and if you didn't trust Bennington in the regular season and you had Thomas Grice as your backup, like there were signs to say hey, this, this team may not be able to live up to expectations. There was nothing with that with the Cardinals. I know a lot of people say, well, the starting rotation. I thought the rotation would be good. I, I didn't think it was a playoff rotation, but I thought they would be fine in the regular season. There were no signs going into the year that it would be this bad for the St. Louis Cardinals.
3: It's genuinely shocking to see them like this. And by the way, Jake Woodford is now getting shelled as well. At this point, you, you need to option him, guys. Like, this is not working. Jake Woodford is the same pitcher that he was previously. He's getting hit really hard. He's thrown three strikes so far in his 10 pitches. Like, it, it, it's it's over. Jake Woodford needs to be in AAA. And their reluctance, their hesitance, their lack of action with this stuff. Zero urgency, man. Zero The team is bottoming out. They're 10 and 21. They are worse right now than the Colorado bleeping Rockies who paid $50 million to send a future Hall of Famer away. You are worse than them right now. And you have decided inaction is the right way to go about it. You know what's going to fix this? Bringing up Zuniga. That's going to be what'll do it. We'll send down Zach Thompson, who was not a problem for the Cardinals. Bring up Zuniga, and I'm sure everything will be fine. It's not fine. And so yesterday, Michael Gersh comes out before the game and he says all of the right things. And it was nice to hear. It was refreshing because it was candid. He said, hey, listen, it's not that early anymore. At some point, we can't use that as an excuse and we're just finding ways to lose. Cool. That's great. Actions speak a hell of a lot louder than words. It's time for some actions. I'm not saying you got to fire everybody. You shouldn't. I still think that Ollie Marmel can and is a good manager. But, man, something is rotten with this team right now. And they've got to make a change. We'll get to your mic drops coming up next.
1: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
7: I don't understand how management can keep their job if the season continues the way it is currently going. Um, we knew there was glaring issues with this roster in the offseason, such as needing more support offensively, which they honestly didn't address, um, because Contreras just statistically replaces what you lost in poo-holes from last year. So you net, net, you're not any better, really. Um, banking too much on, quote, our guys are going to improve, unquote, classic lock and the Cardinals overvaluing their guys. And you knew you had pitching weaknesses that did not get addressed. Actually, our pitching got worse losing Quintana. Um, I know he's you know been hurt or whatever this year, but still on paper you were worse beginning the season. Um, so I really don't understand how Gersh or Mozaloc keeps their job if unless something miraculous happens. Uh, Because this is the biggest catastrophe in my life of being a Cardinals fan. I'm 28. I can't remember anything like this. Uh, And it's honestly beyond disappointing. It's almost disgusting having to watch this team night in and night out right now. Um, It's, yeah, it's just terrible. I don't know what else to say. That was Mike on the Mic Drop feature on the 101 ESPN app, alongside
3: Tanner Hendrickson and Grant Francis. I'm Brandon Kylie. The Cardinals are down 10 to two in the bottom of the third inning. This is one of those games that if you had tickets to, uh, you decide early on. Hey, we're either like going over to Ballpark Village, or we're gonna go get some uh, a meal at Blue City Deli because they close in a couple hours. Like we're gonna go do something else with our time, unless you just happen to want to watch the Angels. If that's what you're there for, cool. But otherwise, maybe come back. You you can get cheaper beer somewhere else. We can go have (laughs) some pretty good drinks. Maybe you go get a cocktail. Like if you took off work today, this is not what I want to be doing with my day. I've got better things to do. Um, We want to hear from you guys. How are you feeling right now? The St. Louis Cardinals are off to uh, an an absolutely abysmal start. This is the worst stretch they've had since 2007. Uh, They're 11 games under 500 for the first time since 2007 they're on pace to, lo- to to finish below 500 for the first time basically since probably a decent portion of our audience have like been consciously alive it's it's crazy uh the last time that this team finished in last place in the division was 1990 uh, the last time that they lost 10 games in a row was 1980 the last time they lost 100 games in a season was 1908 this is not a thing that happens here in st louis and so i would imagine a good amount of you are mad frustrated disappointed exhausted all of those things are fair descriptors let's hear from evan on the mic drop feature this is my cardinals event there's only so many years in a row where you can have question marks on your pitching before it completely and utterly blows up in your face and this offseason was no different the only thing you can consistently count on in baseball is good starting pitching will at least get you to above five hundred. Cardinals have no one. Michaelis is mediocre, and
6: besides that, everyone is below a league average by a significant amount. This is all on John Mozeliak in the front office. They knew it. They couldn't do, do it, or they think they can't do it. I just... I'm at a loss, and it's miserable to watch them being down 4-2 already. Man, it was 4-2 when
4: he sent that mic drop. Uh, uh, He
3: was mad then. I I, want to hear from Evan. (laughs) I want to hear the updated version of Evan's thoughts.
4: See, the the pitching thing is tough for me because I understand what he's saying of, you know, there were question marks on this rotation going into the season. And maybe I read this wrong, and if I did, I'm sorry, Cardinals Nation. I thought they had a rotation for the regular season and not a rotation for the playoffs. great! And that's where they clearly were wrong, where they don't have a rotation for the regular season. I mean, Montgomery's been good. Honestly, I think Jack's been better than I think we were expecting Did a lot you of today well okay today he, he got roughed up but he's been better than I think what a lot of fans expect I think a lot of fans were like he's not going to be a good pitcher at all and outside of day in the first outing of the season
3: he's been solid for the I partners. think Jack and Michaelis have had eerily similar seasons so far where they've had like three horrible outings and three pretty good outings yeah and you either if you're pessimistic you look at the bad ones if you're optimistic you look at the good ones and you can view them however you'd like to the problem is when you have that kind of inconsistency with two guys in your rotation, it it leads to what we've seen so far. And then Steven Matz has just been abysmal, and Jake Woodford has not been a major league caliber starter.
4: Yeah, the the issue they've ran into is they just don't have an ace. And I bought into Jack Flaherty, and clearly I was wrong after watching today's outing. What does an ace do in the playoffs? He can help propel you through it by missing bats and getting strikeouts. What can he do in the regular season? He can end skids like this. He can take them out and be the guy that says, you know what? We're not going on a five-game losing streak. I'm going to end this right here. I thought Jack Flaherty would potentially throw that kind of outing up there today. He didn't. He got hammered by the LA Angels. Jordan Montgomery, as good as he's been, he's not an ace-caliber pitcher. Would it surprise me if he went out there against Detroit tomorrow and gives up like two, three runs and they end up losing? No. Like... They don't have a guy that can go out there, take the ball, and BT said this, I think in the off season. Where you go, "Oh, Blake, we got to go up against this guy. This guy's going to be a guy that's going to be impossible to hit." Right now opponents, I think I looked today, they're hitting like 270 against this rotation. <laughs> it, it, it's been it's been abysmal. So, I it's tough for me to answer the question of, you know, the, the front office missed on this rotation of by not adding to it in the off season cuz I thought they were right not to. What they should have done was they should have gone out there and gotten an ace. They should have been in on, like, Rodon. I know he's hurt and he's That's been the out. the problem. is
3: like even the guys that they could have got in the offseason that would have potentially solved some of the things that we're talking about, none of them are pitching right now. Max Scherzer has been terrible so far this season. Uh, we've seen Rodon start exactly zero games. DeGrom is on the I.L. Verlander's made his first start and didn't give up back-to-back home runs in the first. It's It's been bad for all of those guys that we could have looked at as potential answers for the questions that plagued this team and so it, the truth was, it, it didn't matter what the Cardinals did in the offseason. Now, I think that the issue that I have now is even beyond what they did in the offseason. The lack of urgency in season is what bothers me. This is a team that's been having issues with their rotation. They've been having issues with uh, their lack of offense from the guys that you expected it to come from. At some point, it, like, this is where I, I am actually more frustrated with the front office than Ollie in some ways. The roster is a problem. It doesn't matter which buttons all he's pushing if all of them are basically detonating the season. That's what it is right now. The, the buttons that he's pushing are do I go with Tyler O'Neill, who's batting 176 in his last 15 games, or do I go with Alec Burleson, who's batting 176 in his last 15 games? I don't know. Those options both are bad. They, they both stink. Do I go with Dylan Carlson in center field, who's bad against right handed pitching, or one of those last two guys that I said? Well, none of them are good. Do I go with Tommy Edmond, who's been having weird defensive issues this year at shortstop, or Paul DeYoung, who nobody in our audience wants them to go with? But Paul DeYoung has been their best hitter so far this season. What do I do with Brendan Donovan, who is hitting for zero power? Do I put him out at second base, or do I try Gorman, who has some defensive lapses at second base? Do I put... Wilson Contreras behind the plate, who our audience apparently thinks is the, the worst pitch framer and worst pitch caller in the history of baseball, or do I go with Andrew Kisner, who everybody was saying that about last year? Who might be the worst baseball player in baseball. I None of these options are, are good. You, when you don't have the options, yeah, your manager's going to start making some what appear to be bad decisions. And I'm not absolving him from any of those decisions. He also, I think, has hit the wrong buttons at times this year. But man, we talked about it on Monday there needed to be moves that were made like significant moves. They had one of the worst games that you could possibly have last night and nothing changed. Nothing changed overnight about this team. Nothing. And they were like, they came in today. They're like, yeah, Steven, is going to start again. What? (laughs) What do you mean? Steven? Matt's is going to start again. Why? How? He's been one of the worst pitchers in all of baseball, regardless of reliever or starter. So if they don't make significant changes before tomorrow, I don't even know what to say anymore. You guys have more to say, though. The mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. Can will continue hearing from you guys really for the rest of the show today. What the hell else are we going to talk about? The team stinks. You guys are mad. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: So obviously things are going pretty horrendously right now, um, and when when things are going this bad, things are this awful, and no one no one predicted that things would be this bad. Maybe we, we all had questions about the pitching that weren't addressed, and you know that's rearing its ugly head now. So you know they haven't done much to change that. So when things are going this bad, and you don't change anything, when you don't act like you have to change something, you, if you're not showing urgency, if you're not if you're not adapting to the situation, then that means. You don't have the answers, and if that means that this management group and this front office don't have the answers to what's going on, if you're not trying to fix it, then you should be out of the job. That's your job to do is to fix things like this, and right now you're saying patience, but what? what's the fix? What fix are you anticipating?
3: Zach is big mad, and alongside Tanner Hendrickson, and Grant Francis, I'm Brandon Kylie. I get it, man. If you're mad today, you have every reason to be. And for the texters that are saying we overhyped this team, man, get out of here. Maybe I did. <laughs> I can be Did cut bad. them to the O14. I thought they were gonna win 95 games. They were gonna be pretty pretty similar to the 2013 Cardinals. This offense was gonna be top five in Major League Baseball. Like that stuff was definitely overhype. But setting that aside for a moment. Even if you were down on the Cardinals this year, you're like, ah, yeah, they're going to win like 85 games. This team doesn't even look like like there are teams that will win 75 games this year that are playing better than this Cardinals team. So that that is where I do think like we can have levels to these conversations. Was I overly optimistic? Clearly, obviously, 100%. Yes. Was it unfair to expect this team to be significantly better than anything we've seen this far? No, completely not unfair. This is a failure. What we're, don't let them off the hook. What we're watching right now is a complete failure of epic proportions. One in which I have not seen in my time covering or being around St. Louis sports. Now, I moved here in 2015, been watching a like. High level of St. Louis sports since 2011 when I went to school with, like, 70% St. Louis kids at Mizzou. This is this is embarrassing, what we're watching right now. I mentioned this on Twitter. This is the kind of performance today that gets someone or some multiple someones fired or gets, like, a 5-7 to seven person roster move shuffle like we saw from the uh, White, White Sox. Sox earlier this week. This is embarrassing, man.
4: Yeah, th- this is a this is an embarrassing performance to watch and especially coming off one of the toughest loss of the year. You go out you, and you mentioned this last segment, you go out and you say that you're going to stick with Steven Matz in the rotation for the upcoming weekend series against the Detroit Tigers, who Steven Matz has not been good. And honestly probably should have lost his rotation spot after his last outing. And I, it's tough for me to say this is on the coaching staff and I don't like saying that they should be making changes, but they're going to have to after today's game. And I, I said that, when this home stand started, if they went three and three, and hell, I would take a three and three home stand at this point. If they went three and three on this home stand, it was going to be disappointing, and somebody's probably going to lose their job. Three and three is the best they're probably going to do after today's game, and I don't doubt that they're going to lose that minimum one game to the Detroit Tigers. Hell, probably the first game of the I was series. To say we
3: know they're losing. Yeah, tomorrow. We know they're
4: Losing tomorrow. Um, I, this is one of those where it's tough for me to blame the coaching staff because the front office hasn't done anything to help them. Zuniga was not a move that really had to happen in terms of, hey, this is going to spark you. Your bullpen had been good with Zach Thompson in it. So it wasn't like you were trying to provide a spark for to your bullpen. They were already moving on. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <clears throat> the offense is where they've got to make those moves. The rotations where they've got to make those moves. They've not helped Ollie Marmol out at all. They've they've not done anything to help Ollie Marmol out. And I'm not saying like Marmol is not to blame for any of this. He's made some questionable manager decisions this season. He, they clearly are not ready to play today's game. They were not ready at all. They're getting shellacked 11-2 to in the bottom of the fourth <laughs> inning. Like They're going to have to make changes, whether it's the roster, whether it's the coaching staff. Something's got to change. I, I can't imagine, and I would be just surprised and honestly even more frustrated than some of the mic drops we're getting if nothing changes before tomorrow's game against the Tigers. All right,
3: let's continue with our mic drops. The first one comes from Keith.
6: Hey, guys. I blame Mo. He's running this organization like he still has a
5: Hall of Fame manager and a god of the pitching world and Dave Duncan in that dugout. And it just ain't so, Mo. You got to let this manager take the reins and fail or succeed on his own and praise him or get rid of him.
4: Okay, uh... I'm assuming Keith was saying Mo made the lineup, but I'm not 100% yeah, sure. I,
3: I don't know where Keith was going with that. I, it's it's funny because I've I've always been more of a John Mosellock supporter than I think most in our audience are. I think Mo is really good at his job. And I think being the president of baseball operations in St. Louis is a hard job. And I'm not caping here for, for Mo. What we're watching right now is inexcusable. And the lack of action from the front office over the last week or so is hard to explain. But... Bear with me here for a moment. Since 2007, this team has not finished below 500. The reason why that matters is because it means they don't take years off. Most of the other teams that we comp them to have in that stretch. Or if they don't, they're the Dodgers and they spend more than $200 million every year on their payroll. There's really very few uh, examples of teams that are somewhere in between on that. And so to build the way that the Cardinals do, it does put some certain limitations on you as a president of baseball operations. That does not excuse what we're watching right now, though. The way that this roster was constructed, I thought at the beginning of the season was pretty good. The problem, and this is my issue, my bigger issue with Mo is not so much what he does in the offseason as it is what he does in season. I think John Mosaylock puts together a team that should win about 85 games at the beginning of the year, and then he adds to that roster to get them to 90 by midseason. What I would like to see them do is have the urgency to put together a team that at the beginning of the year projects for 90 and by midseason could potentially get to 100 because they add significant assets to that roster. I think he holds back a little bit. And maybe that does come back to the idea of them consistent, consistently contending or believing that they're consistently contending. But I think it's hurt the Cardinals over the course of really the last six years or so.
4: I, I think you've seen some trends develop in the Mo tenure with the St. Louis Cardinals. One is continuing to miss in free agency. and Because I agree. I, I, thought, I thought the idea of building the roster that they did and having platoons and let's play guys based on matchups, like that sounds like a good idea. But you got to admit when it's not working, and they haven't done that yet. I know they optioned Walker, but it still doesn't feel like they've completely done that to where they've said we're moving away from that. Um, Free agency misses have been a constant theme of the Mosealock tenure. Uh, And when I say that, it's more of these long-term deals, and they're doing it for— average players at best like we talked about steven matt's the lesson that should be learned from it is you don't give a number four starter a four-year contract yep. you, you go one or two years with them like what synagogue's got with the uh la dodgers and he's been bad and they can what can they do they can dfa him and just worry about it being on the books for this year instead of the next two years like if the cardinals were to do that with matt's put him in the
3: bullpen like you can do whatever the you other got no problems with that
4: the other thing too for the st louis cardinals and i i think it was something that developed after the eros trade and we talked about it either yesterday or two days ago was They've become very shy in terms of moving on from players because they're fearful of them panning out elsewhere. Randy has done that. Adolis Garcia's done that in Texas. There's been a couple of examples that have now flourished elsewhere outside of the Cardinals organization. And you're seeing that with Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson. They don't want to move on from those guys right now, even though I think we both I think we know what both guys are to this point in their careers they are afraid to move on from them because they're afraid they're going to flourish elsewhere. When the real question should be, why is that? Why, why are they going to have success elsewhere if they are traded away? Why can't we get that to be successful here in St. Louis? And I think that is one of those trends that has become very detrimental to this team this year of not willing to make those roster moves when they potentially can. Well, let's hear from Matthew on the mic drop feature on the One
6: Hundred and One ESPN app. I don't really know how to feel other than just really at this point, apathetic. I'm not getting high. I'm not getting low. I'm not getting worked up or fired up. I think this team has just made me incredibly numb to everything related to St. Louis baseball. Nothing that they do surprises me, whether they go off for 10 runs or they get beat by 10 runs. I'm just kind of blah about all of it. I don't get excited to watch the games I may check in on the score, but it's not really crossing my mind. But I think I'm just past the point of raw emotion, and I'm just numb, just apathetic to this baseball team. Changes need to be made. I don't know what those changes are. I don't know if firing the manager is the answer either. But at the same time, I don't know where else you can go to shake things up. So apathy, that's how I'm feeling right now.
3: That's the worst word you can hear. If you're in Cardinals ownership, that's the one word you cannot hear. This fan base is a lot of things. Excitable, energetic, passionate, um, some supportive, at times defensive. Apathetic is not a word that I would use to describe the St. Louis sports fan base, but certainly not a word that I would use to describe the St. Louis Cardinals fan base. And if this team is so bad and has so many issues that they get to a place where they have forced Cardinals fans to become apathetic? Ooh, that is your worst nightmare if you're a Bill DeWitt Jr. All right, last one here. Let's hear from Brian uh, via the mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app.
1: Hey
4: guys, this this is just, this is terrible. And I just, I, I can't fathom why there hasn't been some sort of shakeup either in the coaching or in the players. Sometimes you just have to get some players out and put some other players in. Something's not gelling with this team. There's there's something underlining i got to feel with this team that's just not being brought to the light. Um, it's it's frustrating. It's, it's crazy that they're doing this. I mean, they're almost as bad as the athletics. There's just got to be a break somewhere. Somebody's got to answer for it. Somebody Somebody's got to say we screwed up and we should have been more active in the off season. He's not wrong. I mean, the lack of urgency from the front office, not willing to make moves is potentially what we're going to look back on in this season and say, why did the Cardinals miss the playoffs? They weren't urgent enough. They didn't make moves in early May when they should have. Now I'm expecting big moves tomorrow. We'll see if it happens. If not, I mean, that's still inexcusable. I mean, The fact that the front office looked at it and said, that was one of the worst months we've had. We are, I think, nine games back of Pittsburgh at that time in the NL Central, and we're just going to stick with what we're doing. That that should not be the case. Maybe that's the case if you're a rebuilding team. You can just say, hey, we're trying to lose. Why not? Let's just stick with it. That's not the case for a team that's supposed to win the NL Central and win 90-some games when you go into
3: a season. We will go through a list of guys that we think could, maybe even should, be optioned tomorrow coming up on the other side we'll also you guys have stuck with us it's been a pretty big a downer of a show today <laughs> i feel bad about that so we'll give you guys a chance to win a pair of tickets to see thomas red how about that we'll do that coming up on the other side maybe give you some guys that could potentially be uh heading out of town going down to memphis and i've got a story about the memphis redbirds that i think you guys will like we'll get into all of that coming up next finish things out here on 101 espn <laughs>
1: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers On 101 ESPN Let's run it back with a daily rewind on BK and Ferrario Brought to you by
6: Stewart's American Mortgage Google the Bagel Loan Featuring zero fees and zero closing costs
3: Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. If you missed anything from today's show, be sure to check it out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com and the free 101 ESPN app is where you can go to find it. Appreciate you guys sticking with us today, despite uh, it being a little bit of a downer of a show. By the way, we have had a few texts that basically say, I feel bad for you guys having to talk about uh, so much bad baseball and bad sports over the last year. Guys, we, we talk about sports for a living. We're fine. Um, does it suck? Sure. But like, this is what we do. We're, we're good. We're not out there digging ditches. We've got the best job in the world. Like, don't feel sorry for us. We're fine. So I did find this from the Memphis Redbirds. Did you see what happened to them earlier today? No. What happened? If you think the Cardinals are the only ones that are going through it, boy, this has gone all the way down to AAA. This was tweeted out from the Memphis Redbirds Twitter account. During our overnight watering, the infield clay took on significant water, causing a delay in today's game. We are continuing to work on these areas to provide a safe surface for the players. We are deeply sorry and apologize for any inconvenience that it may cause. They sent uh, that out at 1245. They're just starting now. (laughs) It's an hour later and they are now finally starting the game.
4: I I saw that they were in a delay. I just assumed it was a rain delay. I didn't know it was that bad in Memphis.
3: That was 1105 when they were supposed to start this game. It's been a three-hour delay because they overwatered, basically.
4: I hate it when that happens.
3: Not what you're looking for. All right, so I mentioned before the break, T-Bone, there, there's got to be serious changes that take place for the Cardinals. Like it is past time for that to take place, but at least they can right a wrong previously by, by making some moves uh, coming out of today's game. I'm curious if you think that any of these are overly dramatic uh, moves that I think should or potentially will be made by the end of the day tomorrow. Andrew Kisner should be sent down and uh, Barrera should be called up. As your backup catcher.
4: So, I i mean, if they do it, he's probably DFA'd because they got to create a 40-man spot, but yes.
3: I, I've got other ways to do that. Uh, know that all of this got can you, take got place.
4: Gotcha, you, gotcha. You. Okay,
3: yes. Um, moder, DFA'd, Yep has called up.
4: Yeah, probably should have happened in the first place, but yes.
3: Tyler O'Neill or Alec Burleson, one of those two, send them down, call up Luke and Baker.
4: I like it. I don't think they'll do it. Why not? I, I, I think they're still evaluating the outfield. For,
3: they shouldn't. You've seen it. Uh, last 10 games, those guys both stink. I, they're, I, they're both batting 175. Today, O'Neal is 0 for last I checked. He's not been good once again. He's 0 for 2 with a strikeout so far today. It, your, your options are bad.
4: I, I don't think they're going to do it, and if they did do it, it would have to. I would think they would send O'Neal down to get Burleson playing time.
3: Okay. Well, that's what I would do. Uh, I would option JoJo, send Mats to the bullpen. Libertor is now a starting pitcher for me. He's in my rotation. He's not starting today. I think he's scheduled to start tomorrow. Uh, cancel that. Nix that. He should start this weekend here in St. Louis.
4: I, I like that one, and it's even tough to say send down JoJo, but you have to do it because you're not going to DFA Mats because JoJo's been really good, but yes, they need to get Mats out of the rotation. They need to get Libertor to start. I mean, he just won minor league pitcher of the month not just the cardinals pitcher of the month but the minor league pitcher of the month and he has the most strikeouts in triple a so i like that one
3: uh, option woodford it's time after today and you activate O. that's the move that i think like i would be shocked if it doesn't happen honestly and then the final thing that you could do if you really wanted to if you wanted to switch something up in the bullpen uh you could dfa stratton call up your favorite of the bullpen arms that you have down in the minors yeah. i don't think that one's gonna happen but the, the other but You've one, been two, three, on four, the bandwagon five, of
4: DFAing Stratton for a while.
3: Eight, nine, ten. That's ten moves that you could potentially make roster-wise, and I think all of them are reasonable to expect or ask of this team. Yeah, they, I, they need a refresh.
4: I, I agree, and I, I think the number one thing for me is that there's got to be a change to the rotation, and not just Wayneo's coming back. Like, look, I hope Wayno pitches well when he returns. I'm not banking on him to be a guy that can save the rotation. Is it fair to do that to Libertor? No, but. Right now, you need a change. and need somebody to come in there and try and provide strikeout stuff, and we'll see if it translates from AAA to the majors. So I think you need to make two moves in the rotation. That would fill it with Ueno and uh, Libertor. And I like the idea of changing it on the bench with three guys coming in, in terms of uh, bringing in Luke and Baker, a back, new backup catcher, Barrera, and also bringing in uh, – who was the other one? I am forget. Oh, yeah, Pez. Like, that's three of the four bench spots. Like – Yes, this team is so bad, they need to have something that changes. So I like all of it. The only one I'm skeptical of is I, I don't think they'll call up Baker because we know how much they value the 40-man roster spot. He would have but to be UDFA, added as UDFA well. You DFA Modder. That's
3: it. That's the only – you DFA Modder and uh, probably would have to DFA like Stratton in this scenario. And so.
4: Kisner, if you're bringing up Barrera. If you're bringing up Trez Barrera to be the back, you got to create a spot for him. He's not on the 40-man.
3: That's what I'm saying. You DFA Stratton, you DFA Modder. Those give you the 40-man spots that you need for Barrera and Baker.
4: I that okay yes, but I understand what you're saying now. The UFA in two spots. Um, I I think they're not going to do that. Also, though. their
3: forty man is not good enough to where they need these spots. Like, yeah, they,
4: they can make this work. Honestly, a guy they could also just take off the forty man is Jose for me. I don't even know why he's on there. He's not even have statistics recorded in the minor leagues. I don't he's think not Rodriguez,
3: either. by the way, has been placed on the sixty day yet. You could do that. You could too. do that as well. There are ways that they can create roster spots. Um I think they have Moises Gomez, who's been terrible so far this year on their 40-man roster as well. You could technically place him or get rid of him from the 40-man. There's, there's ways they can make this work yeah. if they really it to.
4: Yeah, I, I think they have to do it. I, I like everything that you said there. Like I said, the only one I'm skeptical of is would they do Luke and Baker? I just don't know. I I don't know how they feel that. They don't want to call up one Yipez right now because they don't think there's playing time for him. So we'll see how they view Luke and Baker down in the minor leagues.
3: All right, well, that's what we've got for you today. We need to give you right now a chance to win a free pair of tickets to see Thomas Rhett with special guest Cole Swindell. That's coming up on May 20th at Enterprise Center. Tickets are on sale right now, or you can text in 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line if you're a texter number 101. And you can tell us where T-Bone wants to go for four hours. He'd pay $150,000 to do it. Where's he want to go to be able to do that? If you got texter number 101 at 314-399-9646, you are getting a pair of tickets to see Thomas Rhett with Cole Swindell. The Fast Lane's coming up next here on 101 ESPN.
1: You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.